Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. That is super racist. Seriously, they were called the Tar Babes. That is the Wait, I'm sorry, that was the name of the team? Yeah, they were the Compton Tar Babes. Like the actual name, or is that what racist people called? No, they were called the Tar Babes. I'm literally Googling this right now. Compton Tar Babes. They changed it since then. Part that of it was amazing. actually like a, a California Mariner, like a, Oh my God. That's yeah. the mascot? Yeah. Yep. Let me see. Show, well, show, let me see. Let show me see. Let me see. Let me see. Black dude with a... We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast this is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle with people that make it and occasionally ourselves i'm camille foster this is the fifth anniversary and you are welcome yeah all of our hard work i am delighted to be here i do all these great things at freethink and today i'm doing things with matt welch editor at larger reason magazine and michael moynihan vice news and you know what we are all in new york yeah tonight to celebrate and this was not planned we didn't no, i do didn't know we didn't assemble so that we could be together in new york on the literally had no idea it just kind of worked out that way um and uh happy you, april fools you gentlemen. ain't drinking very exciting you ain't drinking i don't have anything no one's poured me a drink so look what the fuck no class. One's me a drink. you know you're not okay. in college you know this is. what is this that's my this is your covid <laughs> wow. water jeez wow. wow thank you can i have some some alcohol as well. Please. I just want to point out, some of the uh, you know, after about five years, you really start disliking each other. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so five years? Really? Yeah. Uh, so Ooh. you can have uh, your choice of what uh, our uh, listener, uh, Dave Ciccarelli, assures us is about $450 worth of booze. He's, he's naming the prize? In the letter? Yeah, he did. Oh, wow. He's lying. He's lying. <laughs> Send the receipts, Dave. That, you know what? <laughs> Send the receipts. Dave Ciccarelli is a very, it's a very Italian thing to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that cost a 450. A lot of dollars, my friend. We, Fell off truck. We're going to be yeah. drinking some other things tonight yeah. as well, right? Because we've, we've had some special requests that we, we sip some of the wine and some of the other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's driving, so it's going to be fine. I didn't drive tonight for that I'm reason. Sure yeah. as I'm sure. taking cars because I don't ride trains no more. I don't do that in New uh, York yeah. anymore right now. Um, it right is, now? by the way, it is well, full for a while. of crazy people. That's what I hear. It is amazing. Yes. It is like a rolling homeless shelter. Full, full of crazy people and Asian Cheers. hate. This is what I hear. We got five years. Yeah. Five Cheers. years. In the eyes. What a surprise. Mm. There you go. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, that's delicious. So that's Cascade Moon Woo! for Camille. And uh, Michael, you're doing yeah, Cascade Moon amazing. too? that's amazing. Um, Wait, is that 150 year this is anniversary. What I'm drinking? Not yeah, this? it's Cascade Mood. Okay. Uh, I'm well, drinking you know, I the uh, Buchanan's Red Seal, and it's some fucking good That's fucking good. whiskey. Right yeah. um, five years. I want to say this. Camille said we got some requests, whatever. I think this might have to do with the fact that on Clubhouse, there is a fifth column community, quite an active one. And I had never joined it until tonight when I was getting off the subway. And uh, I uh, kind of checked in for a second. And uh, thank all of you guys. You're great. And it's hilarious. And uh, th- those were where some of the requests came from. But, mm-hmm. you know, go over to Clubhouse if you're on there. There's a bunch of these weirdos on uh, on their own. Uh, and if you room. go to uh, our Patreon page, which yes. you have to subscribe to, um, to get to at any level, um, uh, you will see people saying, hey, I've got extra invites yeah, for yeah. those you, who yeah, like if you the want, I mean, I, I don't experience. know if it's how exclusive Clubhouse is anymore. I don't think it's very, right? Oh, wow. Um. <laughs> Did you just throw our listeners under the bus? Oh, yeah. If you can let those yeah. hobos in. I yeah. mean, Jesus. <laughs> 
I liked it before when it was just like me, Camille, and MC Hammer. <laughs> That's what it was for like like many months. It was like, oh, it's just me, Tone Loke, <laughs> and Camille Foster. Truth in advertising, I don't know that Tone Loke has ever been on the platform. Haven't been in a room with him. Tone wow. Loke. LL Cool J, yes. Really? Yeah. Do ladies love Cool James still? I'm sure they do. Yeah. What's the LL Cool, cool J's uh, actual name? Uh, uh, well, the, I, James something. It says, ladies love cool James. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have to say that uh, Backseat of My Jeep is a great kind of late LL mm. Cool J song. Let's flip go. an episode. Yeah, let's flip an episode. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he there's a there's a great Colin Quinn special. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get people to dig this up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Called the first thing I think he ever did for MTV. It was a special called Going Back to Brooklyn. Oh, And it no. opens with a, a kind of spoof of the LL. LL Cool J, um, go, was it going back to Cali? Yeah. Right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. It's a ridiculous thing. He's always licking his lips. But um, but yeah, so that can we'll get back to the uh, the thing, which is um, Clubhouse. People are on there and, and talking a whole bunch of stuff and about uh, the five years that we've been doing this. And there was some mention of this, I think I heard while I was getting out, out of the subway, of like moments over the past five years. Yeah. And it's so funny. I don't remember anything. <laughs> it's, it's so just funny. just a blur. I just don't really remember much. The only thing I really remember very clearly is the first few moments of the first one that we recorded. Seriously? You, I have no recollection at all. Yeah. Seriously, none. Yeah. None. That I don't remember. Was it the I remember studio? The, um, we had a lot of lunches to talk about, like, God damn it, can we come up with a name? Yeah, yeah. That took yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Dave- we, we need to talk about some of that. Shit, sorry. I got to interrupt you. Go. There's some psycho that uses a similar name. And I never wanted to discuss this because Uh-oh. I didn't, I didn't really know who this guy yeah. was, but he was mentioned in a news story and he calls himself something from the fifth column or something. I just want to say this. All I want to say about it. It's not us. <laughs> and if you look at this loser, you'll realize it's not us. Don't so be, don't be mean to him. What? Don't be mean to him. He's like an anti-Semite, according to the oh, uh, according to the Los Angeles <laughs> is Times. He, is yeah, he actually, really. That's what it said in the Los Angeles uh, Times. Mm, I trust okay. them. Yeah, I trust them. <laughs> trust them on everything. Because Matt used to work as, there, as you should. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that. I just want to point hmm. that out that that dude has a Patreon and has been has been making money off of us of people like giving their five dollars to the wrong place for he, a he long, has a, ten. He has a following. He has a following of his own. But yeah, it's all yeah. people that think they're dealing with us. Yeah. And they're or, like, oh, who people who believe in the weather machines. Yeah, I think so, he's one of those, isn't he? If you were a listener he's like, he's to, that like a, other, to that other <laughs> imposter podcast, that is because you are an anti-Semite. I mean, look, I just, I see it mentioned everywhere. I like, I know everyone loves it. So I just want to make sure supporting that you BDS understand movement. that, uh, that, that anti-Semitic uh, Farrakhan-esque podcast, according to the Los Angeles Times and according to me, not according to me, I know nothing about this. So that's not us. My so, my memories are of you uh slowly turning purple, Moynihan, I'm yeah. I'm saying. Um with uh was it the Daily Collar guy? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> when he was like insinuating that you were gay. Yeah. Well then I mean, there was a couple of things about that, that was, was the, that was a very, very bad day for me. Uh, prior it was a bad year. To, prior, yeah, it was a bad year for me. Yeah. Prior mm. to entering the studio, I had an, a, a particularly bad day. And there were a couple of podcasts. You can sort of track my mental health in the podcast. There's a couple when I just didn't say anything. I just kind of showed up and like yep. m- monk-like just kind of sat there. And like looked, after looked the, 50 minutes when we were. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, well, I, look, I just looked at you guys and was like, fuck you guys. And I walked out. <laughs> um, There's a few of those. Yeah. There were a couple Idiots. of those. Yeah. There's a couple. But, uh, but yeah, I remember that guy because um, – 
he had been going on about how <laughs> like uh, Nambler was like a mainstream part of gay yeah. life. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I was like, that's just not true. And he's like, so you must be gay if you know this. And I'm like, no, I'm just not a fucking idiot. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I had a little bit of a, a bit of a meltdown on that guy. So remember that's the that- only time I did that though, didn't, wasn't it? Uh, meltdown? No, that's I mean, certainly not the only time, but that's the one that I remember. In a, in a rough manner. Who? On the podcast. Who? Uh, rough manner? Yeah. You talking about fad? Yeah. That, I mean, that was rough. <laughs> that, that wasn't people, rough, was well, it? No, not the one we released was not rough because I cut out the oh, actual shit. battle in Brooklyn. You did? Manhattan. Oh, yeah, I cut see? that. I made wow. it safe. What are you doing, man? By the way, I sounded like Joe Biden there. <laughs> come, come on, come on man. man. Come on, Camille. Where do you even come from, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you cut that out? Yeah, it's I, the I, new I Jim made Crow. It safe. I made oh, it safe. Yeah. Why? Did I say Jim, something that was Jim bad? Eagle. Was, that, was I Jim Eagle? <laughs> yeah, it was a little rough. It was just a little rough. It was a bit Were you intense. saving me or him? Both of you, but mostly you. I mean, Thad is a fighter. Yeah, but not in these contexts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice guy. I like he just, that. He prods you. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. and then he provokes you. Yeah, he provokes me, and then he doesn't expect yeah. that to get some yeah, fucking Irish bear. street brawler. <laughs> fuck you, man! Come on, <laughs> come on, Todd. Whatever the fuck name that is. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's occasionally it occasionally gets a little realer. Ridiculous. But I, I try to I try to keep. No, that but I have to say, that I think we went out and had drinks that at. Uh, uh, PJ McGinty's or whatever the fuck that place was called. Yeah, what was it called? It was our place. We went there a thousand times. He was a listener, that dude, wasn't he? Yeah. I think, yeah. He became a listener after we spent (laughs) $5,000 a month But I like to frame it that way. He was always giving us free stuff. As if, like, we just walked in and he was like, I'm a huge fan. It was like, we we required him to listen to it. It was like, if you want us to drink here. He was a fan. He knew us when we walked in the door. Yeah, yeah. He was a fan because he'd seen us on Fox, which he totally loved. He almost got canceled, too, because it was, um, he was like a, a bar serving... Like Broadway the theater people. district, yeah, the Broadway yeah. people, mm-hmm. and there were like, you know, pictures of uh, Dan Bongongo on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he had a little Breitbart corner in the in the wall. Like he oh, had a yeah. remember like one of the first times we walked in there. Actually, we'd been there a Atlas while. Shrug poster, yeah, Atlas Atlas shrug, shrug poster, poster. Yeah, yeah. And he had a tiny corner like over there, there near the booths that no one goes. The to. hate corner, the hate corner. <laughs> And uh, and he had a little like a uh, Breitbart thing wasn't big at all and like yeah. people were like don't you understand Breitbart is about hate I yeah, can't yeah. believe that you're doing this yeah and it's like I'm no after I'm d- uh, doing uh, ragtime for the night I'm not going to come over to PJ Puffin stuffs or whatever the fuck the place was called <laughs> <laughs> it's not nice but we're not remembering it either yeah yeah so yeah it's been a, it's been an eventful five years um and the funny thing about the five years is. I look at people now, and I think we do a little bit of this now, but I look at people now that do their podcasts and they have their Substacks and their Patreons and all this stuff, and they're hustling and doing anything. This has been a podcast with zero hustle for about three years. God. We just showed up when we felt like it, and it was like occasionally weekly uh, podcasts. We're much more disciplined now because what it was is just a bunch of assholes talking to each other about the shit that they talked about at the bar. Basically. And let's, and let's uh, not forget that like the disciplining factor in like year two and a half was like, Oh, we're going to be on Sirius XM. We got kicked off of Sirius because of me. And we got yeah. kicked off of Sirius because of Matt's podcast. Matt. 
I mean, that is like, l- that is literally what so happened. weird. He was like the Richard Pryor of this yeah. one. He's like, look, motherfucker. And, yeah. it was just like, <laughs> and like, I was up. working at Sirius at the time. Yes, like you, you were. guys weren't. I was. Yeah. And they're I like, drew a I paycheck for them know. for a little bit I, when I was filling in. And paycheck is a strong word. For oh, they paid me, but it yeah. wasn't much. Yeah. I mean, it really was like, I mean, there were literally like this immigrant labor in the building that were laughing at me. Yeah. They were like, yeah. I can't believe you made it so little. I'm like, really? Really? You made fun of me to my face. I don't know how they saw my paycheck, but they did. But yeah, we were on that for a while. And I remember a couple of people telling me that they had I'd heard because, you know, they just didn't think it through. And they put us on on like Saturday and Sunday at like noon, <laughs> like kids going to the farmer's market yeah. with their kids. <laughs> and they're like, mommy, you know, <laughs> what's fisting? Like, right? uh, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, it was the cut down version of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. only 40 odd minutes of whatever we did. And I would try to make it safe. And at some point it even got to the point where I was censoring the show. Like yeah. We were taking out expletives and it was still too much. It was the rap. Cause you would have whole moments where yeah. it's just like, yeah. So I, then I, yeah, and, that mother- <laughs> and it was that son of a. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, it was the yeah, it was yeah. the radio. It's the classic stuff, though. Yeah, put some good stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there might even been some some serious exclusives, but I I can't remember. It's all too. They much. they haven't come back. Yeah, to us. Um, the other like uh, <laughs> standout memory for whatever reason is I think Cat Temp uh, had a nacho on her leg. That sounds about right. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like those, yeah. It, it had gotten. I don't know if, if she and uh, Ben Dreyfus were in the room at the same time. It's possible. It's also probably I, I not think possible. There would have been. That's like a two black holes. No, it's <laughs> yeah. I don't think that ever happened. Serious vortex. They would have yeah. detected at that at, yeah. at LIGO. That's you, you, it, it was like Don Lemon talking about that flight. It just said <laughs> black hole just sucked up the universe. Yeah. I, by the way, I live in the same oh, town as Don God. Lemon now. Is that true? And you know how I figured that Is out? Is he close by? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I figured him? that out. No, no, no. I didn't see him. I went into a store, uh-huh. and it was like a it's like a like a very fancy like you know furniture store, and, yeah. store. and they have all these like you know very expensive like hipstery kind of home furnishings and other stuff. Yeah, uh, you can buy a stove in there, like a wolf stove for like eight thousand dollars. And on the on the counter checkout, there was a pile of Don Lemon's book about um, <laughs> race, which isn't out yet. And I was like, when the fuck is this? Why is this? And so I just Googled him and the name of the town. I'm like, oh, my God, Don Lemon lives around the corner. I'm going to become friends with him. No. Yeah. No, no, I'm going to become friends with him. Yeah. And then, and then so, I'm going to get on the podcast. So you got Matt Lauer. Yep. Uh, yeah. Billy Joel or not? You don't know. Yeah, sometimes. Paul I think, McCartney. I, you don't know. Uh, no, no. He does. He lives in East Hampton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. now Don. Lemon. I think we're really revealing exactly right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> at some point, we're gonna. Don, yeah, Don Lemon is uh, is there, and I'm sure that he has barbecues with Matt Lauer. Um, and if and if he does, if I ever saw Matt Lauer around, just because everyone hates him so much, I would go up to him and be like, buddy let's get a drink. And he'd be like, he'd probably pepper spray me and be like, yeah. get away from me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I just want, I'd love to talk to him and say, you know, how, how are things? How's that? Do you have a button in the front door <laughs> that keeps me from leaving? I mean, tell me. <laughs> which is a myth by the way. Yeah. yeah it's incredible how that, that, that thing. Him. No, I mean, the funny thing about that though, is that he wrote a piece for Dan Abrams and credit Dan Abrams because like, I think any person, yeah. no matter how shitty they are, like publish them and let, you know, let them have their side of the story or whatever. Unless it's Donald Trump. Unless it's Donald Trump, of course. I, yeah. he, he should the not ban be, him from all platforms. Ban be, his voice. Ban his Ensure voice. Ensure that people can't post video of him saying things about anything. 
That's that's it, it's and that's what we saw the policy of Facebook um, now. The, on no, it was it was uh, what YouTube and yeah, it was Instagram, so owned by Facebook. That he did an interview with. Yeah, well, don't doubt me, motherfucker. What was I know my shit? Yeah, but I just would have said Instagram. So Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah, but who, you're expecting so much of listeners that they know oh the corporate God. structure <laughs> because they do. <laughs> you're like Facebook. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oculus. Like what? I don't. I don't know they own that shit. I just want to shout out to listeners, Andy and Laura, who I just met in. Um, uh, oh, in the Outer cool. Banks, uh, awesome, awesome people, uh, super OG listeners. They literally met each other on Match.com because uh, Andy had uh, said that uh, he was a Nine Rand fan, and she didn't believe him and thought he was fronting. Oh, uh, and wow. was like, hmm. and responded, "Who is John Galt?" And she didn't even show a picture. Oh. She was like, you know. Come at me, bro. <laughs> and he did, and it worked. Man, these dating apps are different outside of New York. Aren't I mean, it was yeah. like 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't think that would work <laughs> in 99.9% yeah. of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. it was 20 so years ago. I, I, I said, who's John Galt? And I heard through the app that someone blew a rape whistle. <laughs> <laughs> the genitals went bone dry. <laughs> so <laughs> damn the sweet, these people. And, That's great. And great, and, and have listened for a long time, and had... Very well developed thoughts about Moynihan oh, about no. certain, certain things. Uh, what? What? I just said nice Laura, things. Literally, I, I, I don't think I'm talking out of school. Like she let me. I come to find out, um, have some time with Andy beforehand uh, because um, within the couple, she's the Moynihan. Oh <laughs> God, that's terrifying. Oh my gosh, she talks all the time. Shit, I'm which, sorry. Which you know, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so I'm I sorry, got, this is a successful podcast, Matt. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it was really awesome. And another reminder that this is the year for us to go on the road. Gentlemen, here's the thing. The one thing I have to say is you got lucky. Yeah. You got very lucky with these people. Typically I would advise against it because, sure. um, I mean, always remember that Andrew Kunanen was a Gianni Versace fan. As was Mark David Chapman. You can was stay a, in that. Was a John Lennon fan. You can stay in yeah. the Versace house. I know it's a hotel now. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, hotel now. Yeah, yeah. You, was, you know why? Because he's dead. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's the story, moral Matt. of the story. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That and is, you know, you know what Andrew <laughs> Andrew Cunanan referred to himself as a listener. He's like, I'm a, I'm a listener of Johnny Versace, and he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. And the next thing you know, yeah. his house is a hotel. Be Our people are good. You have to be careful. Yeah, it's careful. enough time since that that you can make jokes about it, right? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Well, I mean, it's a tragedy, I have to say. But it, it's, uh, so, so but long tragedy as tragedy plus time. So long as he's the right race, yeah. Um, should we do any 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 quote unquote work? Yeah, this evening because there there are things happening, and Let's do it. there might be some expectation that we'll have perspectives on the various things that are happening. <laughs> the two trillion dollar infrastructure bill that the 2. Biden 5, administration too low. Is it two point five again? Too low. Two five two two something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's two plus trillion dollar. Yeah infrastructure package as i as i understand it this bill this bill be giving me life i, mm-hmm. I think that was the headline i saw at the new york times <laughs> um, this, they send you this, a different this paper. bill made me squirt this yeah is what the cnn, oh, no, CNN no, headline no that is amazing not, this is not the patreon in my mind, no, you can't say that in my mind no, there's, there's no way to clean that, that up no there, there isn't no that's fine no well people are very enthusiastic <laughs> about there's this old people who listen to this podcast they've got shot they got their two shots like they, years ago they don't know what we talk about. no they don't know <laughs> they don't know what it's like. <laughs> they don't know what we talk about it's okay 
Um, so some people are very enthusiastic about that piece of legislation. So we should probably talk about it because apparently uh, you know who wasn't, it must be great. You know who wasn't um, enthusiastic? Who? I know you're going to say, Camille. You're going to say, Racist? oh, some, somebody, White supremacist? somebody from the fucking Freedom Caucus? No, AOC, who was like, what is this stingy shit? This should be like $20 trillion. Oh, did she? Oh, yeah, there's not a- enough corporate welfare in there. That's yeah. what it is. There's not yeah. enough billions for corporations. She, what are you talking um, about? She doesn't talk to her constituents in the typical way. She does uh, inst- Instagram yes. live stuff, right? And then you can type in uh, questions. She looks at the camera and she yeah. asks me and anything. She, and she talks about imperialism and stuff. Late, it is like ca- literally, and late I was, capitalism. Yeah, late capitalism. Like, oh my God, there's a college student in the, in, in the House of Representatives. That's amazing. It is literally <laughs> like being in somebody's dorm room. She's like, the reason there's a migrant crisis is because of imperialism. A crisis like, of imperialism. Which is not a crisis, by the way. And a crisis of in- mass incarceration. It is amazingly, fantastically incoherent. And I sent it to you guys tonight, and then I realized that that was really mean to try to make you guys uh, watch her. I, I, I wasn't going to watch Thank you for that. Do, to, what, do, the what did you get out of it? Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Cause I, <laughs> wow. Let's talk about it in a minute. Because we have you. some other things. We also have the voter suppression stuff. There, there's yeah. just apparently an epidemic. We talked about Jim Eagle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Jim Eagle the, last time. We talk, which Patreon, is an upgrade yeah. on Jim Crow. I mean, this is worse than Jim Crow. Mm, yeah. That is where we are right yeah. now. It's reached it's epidemic proportions. Um, as, as Post-COVID. <laughs> oh, post-COVID. It's post-COVID. an Now we have an, this part of the epidemic of racism, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a surge of voter suppression. Um, although surge is a white supremacist word because That's it invokes right. the military. That's what I AOC that said. AOC. Yeah. And then she so, said the people coming me. across the border aren't insurgents. That's right. It's like, wait, that's, that's right. not what. They're not invaders. What? Yeah. That's not what. She said. doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know. <laughs> Bless her heart. Um, we we had another attack in New York City that's made a, a number of headlines, and there are, I think, utterly false details about that story that are still circulating. Um, and the Derek Chauvin case mm. is proceeding apace. I think we just finished day four today. Day five is tomorrow. Um, and there may be some interesting things to talk about with that case and Derek Chauvin being the police officer who is infamous um, mm. for um, being part of the contingent that arrested George Floyd. He had his, mostly for the, his mostly leg for the, or the, knee. His knee on the yeah. neck of George Floyd. Yeah. Although prevented is, the arrest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So that, that case is ongoing and I, and I have concerns. So where do we begin? What do we actually talk about? Because we're probably not going to do all those things. I mean, there's also like the stuff with the WHO pandemic, the report that finally came out, their their joint report with China. Can we start there? I don't want to go deep and serious immediately with Chevin trial, which is, you know, demands a certain amount of seriousness. The head of the CDC. Mm-hmm. What is her name again? Rochelle Walensky. Rochelle She's Walensky. one of your people. Uh, she's from Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm not Jewish, uh, but, but yeah, she's she's from. <laughs> wow. She's from. Well, no, I just I, you know I, I know a little bit about her Do background. You the she baseball yarmulke. Yeah, we have a yarmulke yeah. here. I put that on sometimes. Um, she gave a kind of Zoom press conference, I suppose. Yeah. Everybody else gives normal ones, but if you're the head of the CDC, it's got to be a Zoom press conference. I don't know if any of you saw this. Yes. I, I did. She warned of impending doom. Impending Literally, doom. the phrase was impending doom. And then yes. she almost started crying. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things about this, not to, to, um, 
you know, crib from Tom Hanks in any particular movie. There's no crying in pandemics. Don't, <laughs> that's just alarms people. So please, and I know she's trying to suppress it and she did a good enough job, but everybody did notice that she was about to. So that's was, a that was tell, the headline, I saw. right? That's yeah. the, 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 the headline. But impending doom from the head of the CDC, who is quite an accomplished doctor. She thinks she taught at Harvard Medical School. She's no slouch. She's not a dummy. But when I heard that, I thought, okay, so what we're trying to do is don't tell people X, Y, or Z because it might provoke panic. Yes. Right? That's what we've been trying to avoid, right? It might provoke panic on masks. It might, and that'll overwhelm the supply, et cetera. Why are we in a place now that the new head of the CDC says impending doom? That's what she's worried about. When the number of jabs that are in people's arms, the number of people that have natural immunity to this, having, having gotten it, um, you know, the cases are flat in places that have opened up, like um, Texas, Texas and, and Florida, Florida yeah. and places that had tight lockdowns, like Michigan and New York, for instance, have, mm-hmm. have you know, kind of not record cases, but they have a, lot of, a, a spike. And is there going to be doom? Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I do know is that if that turns out not to be true— there will be no consequences for yeah. this person m- making everyone terrified. I've seen a lot of people saying, Jesus, there's a new wave. It's going to come. You know, why even bother getting the jab when the doom is going to going to be here inevitably anyway? I just thought that was very strange. The uh, person, there's a few people who I would recommend people read uh, for all this. And you guys might have a different list, but mine includes Zeynep Tufetsky. I have pronounced yeah, her name. The Turkish name, yeah. Great yeah. Atlantic writer. And she wrote about how there is a fourth wave. It's definitely with us. Mm-hmm. The, the brush fire wants to go to where the kindling is. Yeah. And the kindling is less and less in the older generation right now because they got vaccines for the most part, except in New York and some other places. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is the B117 variant, um, which is more infectious, more troubling, and more deadly than others. And so you have this like just a horrifying moment now. And the horrifying moment really, 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 really is in Western Europe more than any yes. other places. Yes. Um, we are experiencing it now in, France, yeah. in Michigan, in a few places in America that it's going up um, in places where the vaccines haven't been spread very widely. widely. Um, but like it's really messed up in Western Europe. They haven't vaccinated. Yes people at all yes. that's my new word vaccined, vaccined. <laughs> um, right like it's better it's better. Way, i think those are the people that are mixing the chemicals at johnson and johnson we don't have the vaccine the people it's like what did you put in that i don't know coca-cola <laughs> so it's a thing that's happening and like you're right michael to talk about like the messaging of from the beginning they could have said this is what we know straight up mm-hmm. and this is how you should behave mm-hmm. and they haven't no. they haven't Masks is a great example of that. We don't want to tell people the masks might be good because we're afraid of a shortage of masks. Mm -hmm. They could have even said that and they didn't. No one actually points out that there was a shortage of masks anyway. And that happened anyway. Mm -hmm. Trying to get masks at that time was ordering them for China via Amazon for exorbitant prices. I had a a couple of things where I got my money back because it didn't arrive. 
And that was people saying, oh, our PPE has to be produced locally and at home because there's a shortage. It was like a sort of a natural shortage anyway. Mm-hmm. And I went down and did a piece at uh, a printing company at the uh, Brooklyn Navy Yard that had retooled everything to make I remember PPE that. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they were like really interesting people and they did a great thing. And that was very, very early when Fauci was saying things like this. I mean, they there already was that shortage. And it was like, if people are going to try to run out and buy masks, they weren't going to find them anyway. So why not just say what they ultimately said, wrap a cloth around your face, because uh-huh. that is effective, yeah. you know, in a lesser way, but enough. Send the signals to the market earlier that yeah. they should start producing the cloth exactly, masks. Exactly the, right. the industries that popped up pretty much overnight. And, yeah. and they burned so much credibility unnecessarily. Yep. And they haven't learned the lesson. Like no. They're either exaggerating or they're lying at various points. And it is a really bad idea. Yes. The counterexample of all this is the Czech Republic, right? In early days, they didn't have the masks. Mm-hmm. So everyone made masks. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It's one of the greatest like success stories early in the pandemic. They had more We masks. were all making fucking bread. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking Just, sourdough. single was making pizza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was horrifying. Yeah. Uh, no, it, pizza well, and could shaming, hate, shaming could, trans Yeah, it could be anti-trans pizza. I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. <laughs> if there's a way, Jesse Singal will find it. <laughs> he, he will. will find it. He will. Monster. And what we learned from the Czechs, that they're, they're one of the worst monster. countries in the world for deaths. Sadly, it's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, like masks aren't necessarily going to do it. And the, and the focus on it, which we see to this day, like, my God, this week there have been stories about Florida, those numbers, we can't trust them. And yeah. Yeah. those people, they're on the beaches and they don't have masks. Can you believe it? Like, holy shit, we're still doing this mm-hmm. 13 months later. That shit is just fucking wrong. The weird thing about coming back to the city, because I'm, you know, halfway between the city um, and out of the city, but I've been on the road quite a bit. And if you were Patreon subscribers, you'd know all about those amazing uh, uh, travels in the past month. So go and subscribe, you cheap fuckers. (laughs) Um, I I always like to insult them if they're not, because it usually brings them in. I don't don't know if that's true, but I'm banking on it being true. But coming to New York and seeing everybody, and I think the, the mask adoption here must be... Pretty damn near 100%. It's 90, yeah. And you go down the street, and I don't wear a mask when I'm on the street. It's unnecessary. It's uncomfortable. And I immediately put my mask on in the store when I'm in, you know, interacting with somebody. It's disrespectful to do otherwise, I think. You can't you know, say, here's my epidemiological case for why I should talk to you. It's stupid. Just put the friggin' mask on. Be done with it, okay? I mean, if this goes on for years and years, you know, argue with everybody about it. But seeing people in New York, everybody is wearing a mask walking alone on the street. And I do think to myself, like, do they not get how this actually transmits? This is not, you know, a, a momentary brush by somebody on a, even on a crowded street is not going to, 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 to it's transmit infected COVID. It's like nobody. Right. It's infected like nobody. The same thing with the beaches. Remember when they, remember when it was it uh, de Blasio said early on, if it, like right at the beginning of the summer, it's getting hot in New York. And those of you who have lived in New York or been in New York in the summer, it is oppressively hot. And there's not a lot of places to go. So you have like, you know, Rockaway Beach. We were and turned away from beaches they say, in the summer because they were no, too No, he said crowded. that we're going to we'll pull you out of the water. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? It was they, like. Yeah. In no, LA, they pulled people out of the water. No, you've they got the footage of people out of getting Ma- chased Malibu. off of the beach yeah. who were just like running along the beach. All of the, the various COVID excesses. And, and now the, the current controversy is the vaccine passports, which I was very pleased to see at the ACLU at least. Raising concerns about these vaccine passports, pushing I'm back. Pleasantly surprised. Are they white supremacists? <laughs> well, 
That is among their justifications. The no, vaccine no, no. passports oh. might, in fact, increase racial disparities. So we certainly shouldn't do that. But that was not the first reason given. But it was among like the top three reasons that mm-hmm. one ought to be skeptical of vaccine passports. We don't know the long-term efficacy of yeah. a lot of these things. We don't know, in fact, what sort of uh, long-term immunity might be conferred to people who've already had COVID, but perhaps haven't gotten the vaccine yet. And yes, of course. There's a Pfizer study today. Black people are less likely months, to have the vaccines. We know. Yeah. Then they six may months, be. we know what? Six, there's a Pfizer study that t- today, and again, this is coming from Pfizer, so uh-huh. treat it with some degree of skepticism. That uh, the uh, immunity conferred upon people upon getting it still exists within six months. Oh, so that but was, it could be beyond six months. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Yes, we, so we don't know. But they just, I mean, I think the right. first metric was now we know without modeling, right. you know, with an actual, actual people that have gotten this, yeah. that it still exists after six months. So but, that's a good thing. But they also went on to detail that there are various privacy concerns associated with having a national or state level database of citizens and their various health informations. And there could be all kinds of ugly scope creep that comes about as a result of a program like this. So there are sensible, sane people who care about health and the well-being of their neighbors and believe that a vaccine passport is perhaps not the very best way to go about making the society. Is there polling on this? Uh, On vaccine passports? I'm not sure. I wonder because after a year... You can get a lot of people to agree to a lot of things, including me. The contra arguments are incredibly persuasive to me. I mean, there's a lot of different ones from a lot of different perspectives. Left, right, center, sensible, paranoid. But after this long, if I had to show something on my phone to get into a bar, I'd do it. Right. (laughs) You know, because it's like, I love drinking. I like other people. And there's a point at which I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. And, and, and serious you know, we, challenge, though, for no, no, places like Texas and Florida have been open for a while and they're not seeing these massive so, spikes that were promised more look, than a month ago. I tried to preface that in a way, but let me make it more explicit. Like I'm on the side of the skeptics, mm-hmm. but for people who don't think about this stuff, don't sure. think about privacy concerns. I can see a lot of people just saying, yeah, whatever. As long as I can get out to see shows and see bands, can go to drink, go to restaurants. Because in this state, it is very, very hard to come back here after being in Texas. Honestly, everybody was wearing masks. The mask adoption there was pretty impressive. I mean, I wonder how many it was open. in Texas, did you ever have somebody before seating you at a restaurant take your temperature? Yes. Once. Oh, really? One, in Austin. Austin's different. Yeah, it's, awesome. Austin, it's like, so, that's like being in Cuba. I remember the, <laughs> the first Havana. time that that happened to me, which is down the street from here. It's happened to me every day this week, actually. Yeah. Um, I was like, I flinched like, what? Uh, that's weird. Is yeah. that going to be the new normal? Uh, but it I also now, would like yeah. to have a chicken sandwich. So, okay, maybe the first introduction is a shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, I, still really want to eat at this restaurant, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, Camille and I went to a restaurant two nights ago. I got the vaccine, the second dose, which kicked my ass the, the, yesterday. I had a bit of a fever. I was very tired, sluggish, just watched a bunch of movies and read and fell asleep. But the previous day was, you know, I got it at 6 p.m. We met at probably eight and I don't know how long it's going to kick in, but I go in and they take my temperature. Had they done that the the previous day, I had a temperature but I would have said, no, 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 my body's fighting off the thing that doesn't exist. I actually 
I, I, I have immunity after the first, uh, you know, I think they say 80, 90 percent. Yeah. After the first shot. You already sound like a crazy person. To be yeah, with you. yeah, I know. But you go in the next I'm, day. It's, my body is fighting off the thing that doesn't exist where I'm good. Yeah, well, that's what, the, that's what it does. It's, it's, it's waging war on the thing that's not in your body. But it's like I was about to go in there and be like, I hope I don't have a temperature because it would show that I got the vaccine. Not that I have COVID, the opposite of that. So, yeah, it's a completely pointless thing as as is, you know, spraying down surfaces. People get ritualistic about this stuff. It's very, very difficult to disabuse them of these kind of early days. Totally understandable early days. All this stuff is completely understandable. At this point, it's kind of indefensible. You know, Holy that's shit. why there's so much fucking hand sanitizer. months everywhere. later? Yeah. yeah. 13 months later? Yeah, you got to figure this shit We're out. We're still like wiping the fuck down yeah. off yeah. of surfaces in, in yeah, some yeah. places. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I don't know what they do because I remember then all the airlines were saying, you know, we have a part. I mean, Delta. We have a partnership with Lysol. Mm. It was like when you get off the plane, we delouse it in a way <laughs> that you can come back on, and it you know it smells like an old folks' home and the rest of it. But do they still do that? Because they don't need to. I think they're still doing the the fairly deep cleanings afterwards. One one can't really tell. The planes are definitely a little more full. Delta at a minimum though is still doing the the spacing the middle on seat. the flights. Thank which, God. Which honestly, I, I, I awesome. like it because air travel is awful yes and it's been slightly better in Wait, the covid era you don't fly in places that have middle seats well no you're right i don't fly in sections with middle seats but they also <laughs> do the seat blocking in the first class they cabin, do they do which is very nice which i noticed very the other nice. day uh, i did, I did I didn't sit have, wow. in premium I, economy I, the other day i bought a first class ticket and i was on united who is not doing the seat blocking. And there was a gentleman sitting directly next to me. The entire first class cabin was full because apparently they're just like upgrading all of the police. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, come on. It's a full of hobos. You know what? I went and sat in the premium economy row and I had it all to myself from San Francisco to D.C. You moved back? I sure did. Because there was a hobo next to you? I sure did. Did you like stare him the whole time? (laughs) How poor was he? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he was well off. He's probably a tech bro. Was he? Was he playing like a saxophone with fingerless gloves in no, front of a burning no, barrel? He was dressed he's as badly man. as I was. He's yeah. a young man. I'm sure he actually had the right take. I'm just saying yeah. that the rest of the cabin was full, and I can't. Some like, of those people didn't really look like they belonged in that section. Me. They were right, excited. I need to know. I mean, well, actually, Matt, you're dressed pretty well today. I mean, there's no cargo shorts. Oh, I which know. is a, the real Some, when like summer actual happens. Actual pants. Oh my god! When summer happens, this I know. Day, it's just a disaster. It'd be all downhill. Oh. But you were wearing a yarmulke when we came in, which I still have not been able to figure out why. It's not important. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. A person that's very close well, to us in this podcast uh, sent Matt a yarmulke with baseballs on it. Oh. And she is an Israeli. Oh. And she is our friend. That's yep. fine. And you do not denounce our, our friend. I would not denounce our friend, but I will talk to her about the weather machines. Derek Sheldon. I know. I know. Trial. Fourth day. Just concluded today. I don't know that we need to spend a great deal of time talking about the case. Probably not. Not a great deal has transpired yet. Most of the no. testimony has been from eyewitnesses who were on the scene. Yeah. There were today actually two paramedics um, who were in the ambulance that took Floyd away uh, testified. Nine one one operator who received the call testified, um, and a former officer on the police force who I believe was a supervisor yeah. of Mr. Chauvin's testified today. Um, who. If you see the headlines, a lot of them indicated that he was critical of Chauvin's decision he was in parts, yeah. to leave him on the ground yes, and yes. to continue restraining him after he stopped resisting, which, okay. I have an issue, a pretty substantial issue, when it comes to media coverage of the case. 
there are a couple of things. One, I see shades of Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray, the gentleman who was killed in Baltimore, I believe in 2015, is when Freddie Gray, Freddie Gray died. Then, yeah. And after that case, the city of Baltimore, this is about a year after the Ferguson situation, if I'm not mistaken, went ham. And that is hard as a motherfucker if you're unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. You. And they decided that they were going to charge everybody. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And they way overcharged them. Yeah. I don't remember what the specific charge was, but the net result was no one was convicted. No one, yeah. Everyone was outraged at the end. Yeah. And I am kind of concerned here that the way the media coverage is actually working here is very obvious that everyone has a particular conclusion that they've already arrived at in their minds. You'll see it in some randos that post on Twitter. You'll see it amongst journalists who say things like, I can't watch this video anymore. They're, they're, Everyone seems to have made up their mind something bad Or celebrities like it's Chelsea time, Handler yes. who says we, we shouldn't even have, have a trial. Trials. Why yeah. do we have trials anymore? And we to know. be clear uh, of the reference of I can't watch this video anymore, it's not of the video of the killing. It's the video of the trial. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, even that I, is yeah, I don't strange know. to me. Because I'm, I'm the person who doesn't want to watch the killing. Like, yeah. fuck it. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, want to watch. No, it's but not, they keep, but like, they do keep playing both in the midst of the trial. The trial and but, the trial not. But, but the thing about it is, I don't know that people are prepared for what seems to me a very real possibility that Mr. Chauvin could get off on both the third and the second degree murder charges yes. that are pending against him. Because the case is actually like rather difficult to prosecute. Yes. This prone restraint situation it is highly unusual for someone to receive as severe a charge as he has in a circumstance like this there is no precedent for someone actually going to jail for second or third degree murder in a circumstance like this and it is certainly the case that everyone has seen that video you'll hear like nine minutes knee on the neck nine minutes knee on the neck that is not enough to substantiate those charges necessarily. Have you been watching um, any of this? I've gone back and watched some. Some I've, I just I've, I put it on in the background. Yeah, I've paid some attention, but honestly, watching yeah. people recount their experience seeing this on the street yeah. is not additional evidence that is going to give you much with respect to what the defense is planning to argue here. And the defense is planning to argue that while there is an official medical examiner's report from the county coroner there that says, hey, this is homicide. To say this is homicide means that the arrest like helped to precipitate the man's death. Mm-hmm. But the specific things that you might be looking for, like physical evidence that suggests there was some sort of traumatic injury and and that is what killed him, that isn't obvious based it, it, on it that. Isn't. No. There is a, a second autopsy that was performed by the family. They had less uh, access, but they were hired by the family's attorney and that they would reach the conclusion that they did is precisely what you would expect. That doesn't mean that you can't trust it, but it's there. So this there's is three three autopsies, just complicated. By the way, well, there's I think there's three, a third there's report. A, there's yeah, well, there's three the feds, right? And all come to different conclusions, which it tells you a lot about this. Yeah, about about this because of course, the one thing that I noticed in watching this was, you know, first of all, my own kind of personal opinion of watching it is that. Derek Chauvin has a very tough road ahead of him because it does not look good for him from what I've seen. And again, I'm, I'm just a, a, a schlub, but so are the juries, a bunch mm-hmm. of schlubs, right? Sure. A schlub like me, I'm sitting there going like, that is some 
bad fucking police work right there at the very, very minimum. Mm -hmm. And I'm highly critical as I was then still to this day. Maybe somebody could change my mind. But, you know, I'm open to that. I'm open to saying, like, maybe there's something I haven't seen because we've seen so many examples, as Matt talked about Covington the other day, of the things that when we find out more, Mm -hmm. it changes our mind. Because, of course, we've seen a lot more video now. There's a bunch of video that we've seen from inside the store, from Derek Chauvin's body cam, from other officers' body cams that change things Slightly. But one of the things that I noticed, and I think I pointed it out to you, Camille, is that everybody is affected by the aftermath of this, the protests, Mm -hmm. the media coverage. And one person in particular was the kid who worked at the store. Right. Him talking about George Floyd was clearly somebody who was influenced by the protests, not somebody who called the police on him for trying to pass a, you know, Fugazi $20 bill. It was like he, I can't remember the language, but it was something like he seemed like an open guy and like he was welcoming to everyone. Yeah, he was kind just of thing. living his life. Living his life. And it was lines. like, but two seconds before you said he was so fucked up that you couldn't understand what he was saying right. on drugs, you know? And, but there was, it struck me when I said, and again, this is purely speculation. I don't know if this is true, but what I saw when I saw that was like, oh, this is a guy reacting to what the trial is, not what he saw as such. Because the sort of mythologizing that has happened, you you don't have to go to just Minneapolis, go to lots of places around the country, and you'll see spray-painted murals of George Floyd. I Mm -hmm. mean, this is taken on a totally different thing, right? In my neighborhood. In your neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, like lots of these things, right? And so when he's talking in this way of somebody behind the counter at a bodega, like, how could you know this? Well, you don't know this. And I mean, you'd imagine that the judge or the defense attorney would intervene and say, "Mm, hold on. Uh, But I see that in so much of the testimony of people that are affected by what happened afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's expected and, you know, understandable in some ways. You don't expect people to like walk away from last summer without reminding ourselves of how much this infected everything and everybody around us. Mm -hmm. Corporations. All of a sudden, we're issuing reports about equity in their own corporation. Is if George Floyd didn't happen, this would never have happened, right? Yeah. This precipitated America's racial it retrogression. Was everywhere reckoning? I, you know, <laughs> I didn't stutter. Retrogression. Did I, did I stutter, motherfucker? Um, <laughs> it's from a hip hop. Um, um, but it wasn't like, did you hear of this case? It was like, did you buy something on Amazon? Because you would have heard of this case if you bought yeah. something on Amazon. Yeah. That's how deep that this got into the culture. And, you know, we used, I think you're really, really seeing that in some of the testimony of people whose recollections are definitely colored by what happened after. And by the way, this is not a criticism of these people. This is normal. So when you, particularly with like, you know, take something like Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. Their recollections often include things that never happened, didn't exist, because it's been colored by all of the things that happened afterwards. And that's to no fault of their own. And it's, it's, you know, not these scumbags who say, oh, they're making it up. They're making it up. They're not making it up. But it does affect it. And, and so watching that, that's the first thing that I came away with. Well, I just and, and I don't know that I put a, a fine point on what I was saying earlier. What concerns me is that I don't know that most people are getting the kind of nuanced, complicated reporting that might actually prepare them for an outcome that isn't the one that they're expecting. The headlines amplify the points scored by the prosecution, but it is a different experience, one imagines, to sit on the jury. And it is going to be a different experience at the conclusion of the trial 
whatever the quality of the the case presented by the prosecution or the defense, and one can't know. I haven't seen anything from mm-hmm. either side that leads me to believe that these people are spectacular and they're going to do a great job. And it's yeah. obvious it's in the bag, but they're going to get direct instructions from the the judge in the case, and he's going to talk to them about what their mandate is. Yep. And things like reasonable doubt are going to be yep. referred to, and they only need one person. One person to have doubt. And at this point, the defense has two things that they're working with. One is to suggest that, look, did they need to render some aid at some point along the way? Were mistakes made? Possibly. But they were afraid. There was a growing crowd. It's, It's reasonable to suspect that that's why they didn't do it. Which, if it was like manslaughter or something, you might get them. But with these two charges... That's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And the, the second thing is the, which I think is far less credible, that he was high on fentanyl mm-hmm. at the time. And there, it's obvious and there's concrete evidence that he overdosed. And the, the medical examiner's report says that none of the medical examiner reports say that. One says that he might have had a fatal dose of uh, fentanyl in his system, which I think the fact that you hear things like if they'd found him in his home and all they had was this report That's and he had that fentanyl yeah. in him system. They probably would have gone with overdose. All that tells you is that the way that we actually categorize overdoses in circumstances like this is pretty fucked up. I mean, you, and the standard isn't good. If I had so that, we it, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a cop's knee on my neck for nine minutes, like the the medical examiner report might say uh, fatal uh, – Baby aspirin yeah. and like. But the question so I, I, will say, I will say about the knee on the neck thing, though, only because I have fairly recently watched the thing. If that were what happened, if it was that cut and dry, I would expect to see some kind of traumatic injury. There was shifting and there were things happening and there were events leading up to George Floyd laying on the ground that are all going to complicate this narrative mm-hmm. for a jury that is trying to reach a decision. And if only one of those people has not made up their mind yet, mm-hmm. that Look, is going to be a problem. Cause you, you yeah. can't, I don't think you can sit and stew in all of that and just reach the conclusion that knee on your neck for nine minutes, which well, is, I think where a lot of Americans are right now. So we, that's all I'm saying. It's complicated. And I don't know what the response will be like after people are severely disappointed because if he gets off, that's going to be a problem for a lot of folks. If you don't think about, why he's being charged, how he's being charged, the severity of the charges, the justification for the charges. If you just take a step back from that and just say he's being charged, because that's how most Americans think of this. They're not thinking about is he being overcharged, saying he's being charged, is he going to get off? Well, there, there, that, there's probably it. some fear about that and yes. would have been conversation about that last year had they charged him, which I'm, I'm going to say more appropriately, I don't know yet. But yeah, <laughs> so I don't know yet either, but from what I have seen... And from thinking in the way that most people are thinking about this, which is just like, he's been charged. Is he going to get off or is he going to be acquitted, right? An acquittal for me right at this moment, just in this sort of basic way, seems like a miscarriage of justice, just in the most most basic way. Because, you know, this is not thinking about like, okay, so what was the actual charges? Did they prove this? One person, you know, can dissent, et cetera. Because what I would do in, you know, uh, this is precise, people are going to about to hear precisely why I'm not a lawyer <laughs> and why I'm not good about this. <laughs> and stuff. why you're not on the jury. Yeah, why I'm on the jury either. Yeah. They would bounce me in a second. Is that if I were giving my sort of closing arguments as the prosecutor, the question that should haunt you is if George Floyd is not on the ground in that situation, does George Floyd die that day? I think the instinct for most people watching that video would be no. 
Yeah. Is that is that right? I, doesn't make a difference. The, the thought that I have when I see that is like, you let that guy pass that Fugazi twenty dollar bill and he leaves. Is George Floyd going to be found on the floor of his apartment? I doubt it. Something happens in that interaction. Does it mean that he was murdered or that either of those charges are justified? It doesn't. I mean, that's a, a far more uh, complicated issue. But what really bugs phrases me— Phrases like depraved indifference come come to bear or like premeditation yeah. or yeah. like willful. And that, Premeditation is hard because you see those videos afterwards. That, and, and that's what like, I'm saying. You see like, him— freaking out a little bit in the in the hospital of like you know him like you know doing this uh-huh. with his hands and like trying to you know even, i mean even i, the I pulling, don't think he even the pulling him out of the car he he's screaming i want to i'm gonna let me lay on the ground i want to mm-hmm. lay on the ground mm-hmm. it's challenge especially when the other officers are involved like there were active conversations should we turn him no he's mm-hmm. talking i can hear him talking you do notice, by the way, so far, maybe this could come up later. This is a long uh, trial and it's complicated, too, is that it doesn't seem at this point that the prosecution is taking an angle that Derek Chauvin was an unreconstructed racist and did this because of have, some sort of. Haven't done it yet. But I mean, that's not a charge. It's not a charge. Right. No, no. But, but, but you do. But you do um, in the way of Mark Furman want to mm-hmm. paint people that way to change the minds of the jury. Yeah. But the thing that worries me the most about this is that. We all know, everybody in the media knows, everybody that you know knows, that if this is a a flat-out acquittal, that's going to be bad for America. That's what people consider. That's what I think the people on the witness stand are are thinking too. And that's no good. That's no good that, like, I suspect things will get pretty rough the second— that he is acquitted if that is the case. If they don't make their case and if they fail and that's the prosecutor's failure, it's the, whoever char- the charges are too, yeah. are, are too over the top. Whatever that is, no one's going to have a rational moment and say, they really should have gone about this in a different way. Yeah. You know, like the, in, in the sense of like, you know, Christopher Darden was maybe not the best guy or Marsha Clark was maybe not the best woman. It's not going to be that. It's going to be, you know, let's attack things and when, that worries me when yeah. the oj verdict we don't want to live in a country like that when the oj verdict came in um i as someone who lived in in uh on crenshaw on crenshaw <laughs> no north long beach in a in a school district <laughs> that include compton uh high school which was called the tar babes as as we all know that is super racist seriously they were called the tar babes that is the for, wait, i'm um, sorry that was the name of the team yep they were the compton tar babes like the actual name or is that what oh, racist really? people called no God. they were called the Tar Babes. Wow. Look it up. literally Googling this Compton right now. Compton Tar Babes. They changed it since then. They were called the Tar Babes. Wow. Yep. Who, who actually named this team the Tar Babes? Go Stonewall look it up. Jackson. <laughs> Go look it up. Um, Dear Lord. Part that of it was amazing. actually like a, a California Mariner. Like a, Oh, my God. That's yep. the mascot? Yeah. Yep. Let me see. Show, let show, me see. Let, show me see. One let, hand. let me see. Let me see. Black dude with a... Oh. <laughs> what the... Oh. <laughs> Is that real? Did I, I never told you guys about like oh being. God. We were like back in LA. Uh, I literally just texted Ibram X. Kendi and like, dude, I'm on yeah. your side. Ibram was right. He's right. He was right. <laughs> this, is where I, this is where I grew up, people. Look at this. Look that's, at this photo. That's smiling not. Smiling African American children. Yeah. Holding a sign that says Tar Babes. Yeah. That's not right okay. There. This is. 
Wow. When we used to go to play them in baseball, they would, as hell. they would <laughs> they would drive the bus on the onto the baseball field instead of like uh, the front because they were afraid that they would throw rocks at us. Why? Because uh, the tar babes? Uh, it was just because there was like constant simmering racial conflict. Oh, oh, uh-huh. um, Camille is now in a rabbit <laughs> yeah, hole he's, he's of Compton tar babes. It's uh, horrifying. Yeah. Um, it's a complicated story, but I'll, I'll tell you this bit that's more interesting than whatever fucking OJ thing, uh, which is that, uh, so Emmanuel and I were in LA and we just came back from Europe and I had no idea how anything works. And I was like, okay, let's, let's take the subway to the airport. Oh, well, that's people don't do that. Yeah, that was a big Ooh. mistake. And so this guy who was tall, he was menacing, and he was like, "I don't just want <laughs> Jesus um, what he was." These these are all facts on the ground, uh, and he's like, "I don't just want like a meal. I want a hot meal, and I would like a drink with it." And he was like on our train and stuff, and he was, uh, and he wait, was, he was demanding that of whom? Everybody, but like me in particular, Uh-oh. and and, uh, and so like it was awkward, and we had all our luggage, and it was just everything was wrong about the whole uh, transfer. This is between for Leslinka out there; she knows what I'm talking about. It's like when you go from the blue line to the uh, the 105 freeway line, the green line. That's I guess California should have ever heard. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to make small talk while the guy was extorting me from whatever amount of money that I, I coughed up was probably just like five bucks, or 10 bucks. But turns out he went to Compton high school and like, I found like, Hey, more league. I, you know, we're in the yeah. same school. It's like, well, at least we got rid of the tar babes. So really, like, that yeah, was the was end like, oh, of that. And you gave him 10 time. bucks. Like whatever he wanted. Wow. Point, like that like, was like, uh, cause it was fucking, it was embarrassing for all of us at the yeah. time. And you and were like, here's, here's your reparations on. for that horribly racist name so, for your school. Which mascot. Inter- interestingly, Jesus, totally not racist. Here we go. Uh, why should anyone be shocked by this? Well, How does that happen? Well, because apparently go. the name of another Googling. team was the Tartars, yeah. a Mongolian warrior. This is the, the, the origin. So there were the adult Tartars associated with a college and at the school, they were referred to as the baby Tartars. And of course, baby Tartars was uh, amended in various ways. Little Tartar. That's still racist. Tartar babies. <laughs> Sorry. Babes. Yeah. And Tar Babes. Yeah. Why did they end on that one, though, Camille? Were the people who adopted this name, Matt Lynch, <sighs> do you suspect, given your experience and knowledge of the circumstance, that these people were Caucasoid or Negroid? And I'm using those. Yes. Totally not scientific yes. bullshit yeah. mechanisms for referring to race because race is total bullshit. I don't know. But but my suspicion is mm-hmm. that the people who landed on that name <laughs> were probably not Caucasoid. <laughs> they were having fun with it. <laughs> but this is also I, back when I Song of the South. I would still change it. I'm just way. telling you they were having fun with it. Which All is right. also back when Song of the South was a beloved picture. It, right? it, it was indeed a beloved picture by many people and my, still is by others. My uh, uh, grandfather lived in Compton and his child worked, worked in uh, plane factories. Duke Snyder was a Compton High graduate. Uh, he was tar babe. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's all super complicated. And, yeah. Th- th- those kind of things like, you know, using words in that time is I think of my grandmother who was born in like 1915 or something mm-hmm. and uh, a little Italian woman. And one of her very closest friends uh, went around the time she died was a guy named Vern and Vern was black. 
and never, ever came up, was never. And then one time my grandmother said to me, you know, Vern, and, and she thought that I had this very true story. She thought that I had this, this flicker of unrecognition. And she said, you know, he's the colored guy. And I imagine now mm. that if my grandmother said who was like, it was like her closest, they hung out all the time. Yeah. And I remember Vern had three fingers, missing two fingers on one hand. What and uh, I don't know what happened. It was it was probably very, very unpleasant, though. Whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was unpleasant. Or, or yeah. maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> it's fun to think about. We, don't, we could right? think of, yeah. <laughs> you, you could imagine some circumstances oh! where this was the best night of his life. Yeah. He doesn't remember anything. Uh, and you know what? Two like, fingers, I would have yeah. paid four. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was that <laughs> awesome. I would have paid four fingers. <laughs> At the end of the day, Vern's like, I got eight fingers. Don't care. <laughs> I'm fine. Fine. I am fine. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I can't believe it wasn't three. I have to tell you about the story how I lost my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> my nigga, let me tell you. Um, jo- uh, Joel, Chandler, Joel Chandler Harris, um, the, oh my God. Uh, the American author who popularized the Uncle Remus tales. Yes. Who was as huge as Mark Twain at the time. Yeah. It's a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. These stories about Br'er Rabbit and Mm -hmm. Br'er Fox, like these stories and the Tar Baby story, which comes from that, these stories were subversive. They were taking black culture to white people. These were stories that were shared amongst enslaved peoples in the Americas in order to communicate traditions, generally stories that painted or represented the, the slaveholders in a bad light while showing the craftiness and the inventiveness of the people who were held in bondage. There, wow. is, there is a culture that existed there. These are not merely people who were brutalized and victimized. They, they thrived. They found a way. There is a, a, a compelling story there about people maintaining their humanity under any fucking circumstance. And the storytelling is crucial to it, right? Like yes. Roots, which like absolutely captivated me as one a, of the most successful eight, documentaries in the history of this country. One of the most, one of the most successful yeah. narrative yes. projects and television specials in 100%. the history, in history of this country. In history. Still to I this can't, day. Yes, yes. You guys are too young. I think Monahan's, still too young to know it when it came out, but like, it just like, there's never been anything like it. I believe we we watched like it, like it changed changed my life. Like a racial reckoning. (laughs) 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 Kind of. Yeah. 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 I remember you telling me you used to play roots, but like part of it. No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be LeVar Burton. (laughs) (laughs) Athletic, right? Like, like why not? Uh, like, uh, no, but like part of it was the, in, in the book, especially, but also in the uh, miniseries as well. Like I am taking charge of the storytelling of this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, the the most galvanizing moment in the book, which is like five trillion pages long, mm-hmm. it's a big book. Is like like it starts off yeah, with that was probably the first big book that I ever wrestled. Me with. too. Seven hundred and ninety three pages. Yeah, we all remember the from the miniseries. Behold, uh, you know this this thing is greater than yourself. Like right, he's holding up the baby in Africa mm. to the moon. Than yourself. 
Um, and yeah, um, not a and, documentary. And it's <laughs> really not a documentary at yeah. all. White people um, wandering around Africa with yeah, nets. With butterfly nets. <laughs> we got them. We got them. Put them on the boat. <laughs> yeah, look at that one. It's oh easy. my God. There's nobody trying to stop us. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. We got them. <laughs> the big net. <laughs> but in the not book. Not Just for the record. In the book, it gets to at this point where like, and then that baby was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. you have this consciousness of the narrator of the story, and you, who you have not been conscious of until this point, really, mm-hmm. in the story. When it's Alex Haley, which, who is an, really an important person in a 20th century storytelling. My mom got fascinated with family genealogy, and so many other people did, like millions of people did, because of roots. Mm-hmm. Roots was the thing because they, it they was like to understand the level of guilt that they needed to feel. No, it wasn't that. It was yeah. actually I want to know the narrative of, of my myself. family. Yeah, and I want to know the that's, good. That's beautiful, actually. The good and the bad. Yeah. And my mom actually, you know, she wrote a book about our common ancestor, a Yankee a warhorse. She's also written things that haven't been published about the divide in our family between people on other side of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, uh, during the Civil War, right? Like, like it's a deep dive, and all of that is actually centered on roots. Like, mm-hmm. roots was the was the yeah. foundational thing of all of that. Um, and it's great because it gives the st- and, and we knew it at the time that the storyteller has the power. Mm. Is the what the griot? Like, that's the the name in yeah. the African story telling yes. at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is a certain power in that, right? And like, that's the great thing. You want to be the person who's in the in the position of of, of spinning that out, right. um, and like, why would you not um, embrace that as opposed to like reacting to it negatively? Well, it's funny because this is when you think about um, the way people reacted to roots, and the way people reacted to kind of popular visions of black culture. So Camille's pointed out a number of times that what was the most popular television show of the 1980s in America? Cosby. Cosby, Cosby Show. Without right? a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Did my family watch it as a family? We did. Was there any discussion of it as a show that was alien to us and a culture that we were kind of looking at from a sort of quizzical inspect, you know, like scratching your chin, like, what is this? No, it was perfectly relatable. The thing that I really loathe about, you know, these idiotic concepts of, cultural appropriation, which, you know, everybody instinctually knows is dumb, right? There are people that are partisans and ideologues and, you know, in the the church of this new racial ideology who, you know, salvate at having these debates and they're very, very bad at them. They don't, they don't acquit themselves well usually. I've never heard a debate on this that actually of somebody debating the other side that is convincing. But the thing that really offends me about it is when white people in America started, you know, wanting to imitate and emulate black culture on a wide scale, I realized that something had changed. There was something different going on. And that was not a thing that existed, you know, en masse prior to, I think around the time of Roots is probably around the time, because the late 70s that happened. And first really happens, I would say, really happens uh, with hip hop, hip hop culture, and not—I'm not saying like people that take Chuck Berry 
and take, you know, whatever, Lightning Hopkins and anybody who's like, we're going to do our versions of this. Those are versions of it and there's nods to it. But it is it is like kids in suburban places trying to be people that are alien to them, that don't live in the similar circumstance, you know, socioeconomic or otherwise. And they just every I mean, the number of people that I went to high school with who wanted to talk like, you know, the hip hop records they listened to would come into the high school parking lot with shit jamming like really loud. Nobody was like playing, you know, Guns N' Roses really loud at that point. There was a full adoption a a of culture. And it's like <laughs> if you look back, though, and people say this is some sort of thievery. This this kind of segregationist mentality, and it's segregationist. There's it no other word for it. Explicitly. You are the George Wallace's of your generation of saying that these cultures should not mix. You should not be able to sing those songs, particularly if they have bad words in them. You shouldn't be able to try to do your version of this artwork, which is clearly you. You can't. You can't at the you knees can't like praying representations of the suffering of. It's, of Emmett Till or his mother because you can't appreciate it because that is called black pain. It is inaccessible to you white monsters. It's an obviously dishonest it's thing dishonest. to suggest. It's 100% dishonest. It is insane to posit that a white person can't empathize with as deeply as any other human on the planet Emmett Till's mother to the extent one can even embody the feelings of another person, which you can't, you can't. actually, you can't. right? So yeah. there's a sense in which that is absolutely false. And also the notion that there is some common black experience is absolutely false. The whole thing is a basket of exceedingly dishonest racial essentialist fuckery. Mm-hmm. And that is why I said it is not a racial reckoning. It is a racial retrogression. Everyone who has allowed themselves through whatever earnest motivations on account of whatever awful injustice they believe they've seen play out has decided, you know what, I'm going to step back and I'm just going to, I'm going to let, I'm going to listen to black people. I'm going to listen to black voices. I believe that what we need on PBS is representation of people by race. And that is the way to think about what people are producing. They're producing things on behalf of black people in their black voices. Fuck you. I'm me. I'm a person. I, I own my perspective on whatever I'm going to tell the story about, where where is PBS going to make space for for those voices for people who decide? You're, you're, referencing, most, so you're what, referencing something. The most important minority about PBS? is the individual. What you talking about PBS? Camille sent a story today, and I'll do the pricey so Camille can Good. riff on it. Which is um, a number of people who do documentaries for PBS has signed a letter. I think 180, 200 people saying there's not enough representation on PBS of black documentary filmmakers and in the process of doing BIPOC. that. <laughs> BIPOC. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I can't. Depends on I, the week. When I will not, up. I cannot, I will not submit to that or what's the, what's the other one? Um, Apple. <laughs> Asian American Pacific Island. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, AP. 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 API. Um, API on. is a thing that you interact with, like yeah. the API That's of a program, true. software, so software. Yeah. But you know, it, so they took a shot. I don't at, care. It's all fake. That's what's it's all fake. And they they take a shot at Ken Burns uh-huh. and say, "Why does Ken Burns get six hours?" America's storyteller. Yes, get yeah. six hours on PBS to talk about. Ernest Hemingway. Well, the answer to that is obviously he's wildly successful and people will watch it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. But in doing so, they have said, you know, 
there is enormous amounts. Of, and by the way, just 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 to be clear, that Ken Burns, everything that he's done, he has taken beyond before anybody else. By the way, before these people did things that were mandated, like corporations saying, "Here's our black square, here's our racial reckoning," because they have to. Ken Burns didn't have to do any of this stuff, and he made the Civil War documentary. The baseball documentary has a ton it's all about race. It's, it's almost too much in a way. Way and way it, too there's much. There's a lot, a lot, and I have interviewed and met Ken Burns, and after the interview, had an incredible conversation with the guy. And I, I, to think for a second that he is somebody that is ignoring this issue at all in not bringing a certain certain sensitivity to it, or covering it, or or you know doing justice to it. It doesn't matter because he's not them. And by them, I mean people look at him and they see, oh, well, he's, you know, a guy with a weird haircut who went it's to Hampshire bad, College. It's a bad it's, haircut. It could be better. It could be better. It could be better. Um, it's, it's me saying that. Yeah, too. it's really, really bad, actually. Yeah. Um, but they look at this and say, we need somebody that looks different doing this stuff. Despite the fact that PBS, if you did your own little audit, does a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff, mm-hmm. not only on racial themes, but by black, female, male directors, you know, Hispanic directors. The Independent Lens series is just endless numbers of stuff about about uh, pieces about race. It's not underrepresented. I don't believe it is. But you do the numbers and it wouldn't be under, underrepresented. The thing is, is that like why it's gotten to a point where representation isn't actually the goal anymore. Why isn't there a, somebody with the resources of Ken Burns in the airtime, which is mentioned explicitly, he's getting six hours in prime time. Why? And the answer to that question is because he's very, very good and he draws lots of people in and he could go anywhere else. But he is somebody who loves public broadcasting and he does it essentially at a loss to do it for, for public broadcasting. I've, I've heard from, from numerous sources in the industry at different points that Ken Burns has at various points been approached by other media outlets. He told me this, yeah. And could leave and make buckets of money, like tons of money. He don't need the money, but he could make it by taking his talents to someplace else, like say Netflix. The guy he, he is, stays at PBS yes. because he cares about PBS and he and cares he about these issues in precisely yeah. the same way I, that these do. He, these people do. He talks about the same sort of issues of representation. And, and quite frankly, I mean, all it, what it looks like to me is what we've seen over and over again, the the purity test associated with all of this yes, that's right. stuff, all of the yep. ex- excesses of identity politics that we are, are drowning in at the moment, um, ultimately results in consuming your own. Yes, you, always. You simply cannot be good enough. You can't be righteous enough. No. There's there's something exceedingly poisonous. It's, it's, about it's, the whole that's thing. why the religious um, comparison is absolutely right, and it's more perfect the more I think about it. The one final thing I'll say about Ken Burns is we were walking after our interview, and we got into a conversation um, that, and I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school. I don't think it is. It's not. There's nothing controversial about this. It actually makes Ken look very very good is uh, to talk about a guy who really is selfless. I mean, truly, I mean, I got that impression. This guy's not faking it. He could make so much more money. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. He said he went over to Steve Jobs' house one time. He was invited to Steve Jobs' house. And there was a reason for it. before after he stole Ken Burns' name to use it as the... This is the story. Okay. So he goes to Steve Jobs' house and he makes a joke. Like, I think he stayed in like 
um, like a little uh, room apartment over the garage uh-huh. in his house, which is hilarious. Yeah, probably a rather large house. Uh-huh. And he said, Joms is incredibly generous, garage. incredibly nice. He comes in and they talking, they get along really well. And apparently they, they had a bit of a relationship after that. And they had something as Camille's referencing called the Ken Burns effect on early versions of iMovie and, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Final Cut Pro and things like that, um, which was basically the pan and scan across yeah. the photograph, right? Yeah. So they called it the Ken Burns effect. The banjo and, or? It, 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 the, the banjo. <laughs> music, yeah. yeah. The Ken Burns effect is you press a button and Shelby Foote comes in. He's like, well, I'll tell you what, what happened was down in uh, Vicks, the Vicksburg. First came uh, to yeah. London, I was only 16. Yeah. I, I want to I put uh, Shelby Foote in every documentary. <laughs> everything. It's about, it, like literally, it's about the Boston Red Sox. Well, I'll tell you what, Billy the Spaceman <laughs> one time came out onto the mound. Um, so he, you know, well, when I first started playing, playing dying. Rocket I'm dying. Right. I'm dying. But yeah. I'll tell this story before I die. Do we it's, need to give you some sugar? No, no, we're good. Okay. I'll, I'll die on. Oh, yeah, candy. Yeah, it's the fifth fifth anniversary. I die Easter on the candy. Show. Is that what that yeah, is? It's for my daughter. Now I'm eating it. Oh, okay. Um, so he goes up there and he says, <laughs> and, and he's like, "What can I give you uh-huh. to use your name for the Ken Burns effect? We're doing this thing, and I'm going to pay you out. Mm. And there's an enormous payout on the other end of this. Yeah. Steve Take Jobs likes him. And, you know, is like, you know, here, write, write your money. own check. And what he says is, you know, in perpetuity for as long as uh, this company is alive, here are the schools that you will completely outfit with Mac computers, including their oh editing labs, et cetera. God. And so that is uh, what he got in what exchange. What insufferable asshole. No, he's like, <laughs> you know, he'd be insufferable if he told me this on the record. He told me off the record. I'm just oh, being an asshole. No, it makes it worse. Actually, it wasn't. I don't know if it was off the record. It was just yeah, we whatever. weren't filming. It was irrelevant to what we were talking about. But you know, this is not a guy who is like I'm cashing in on PBS. He's somebody who just, for as far as I can tell, and it seemed incredibly genuine. Just really, he's he's like said something to the effect of, "I got enough. I'm good." You know, there are people like that. You know, I want to admit right now, confess openly Uh-oh. that. Um, one of the first times I went to the uh, Nationals Stadium mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., which is a fine, fine place to watch uh, baseball. Um, great in that it isn't like twee in that uh, Baltimore, like uh, Camden Yards Baltimore. sense. It's pronounced Baltimore. Whatever. Fake old park. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the fake old park. Let's just like have aircraft carrier kind of motif. Yeah. It's gray. It's big. It's fine. Especially if you saw a Nationals game at RFK. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. Oh God. So, like, there was literally like ISIS, like, was in a gun battle. I don't know if it was in RFK. I don't know if it was uh, Steven Strasberg's debut, which uh, I was there with you. We were there, but I don't think it was that night. It was a different night because I remember a different perspective of being there. But, like, apropos of nothing, Ken Burns throughout the first pitch. Hmm. And, like, everyone's like, oh, okay. And I stood up and I. Booed the shit out of him. Serious? <laughs> wow, really? Fuck you can burn. Why did you boo? Wow, me? it's horrible. Why? Because it was funny. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because no one else is gonna boo mm. Ken Burns. Oh. You know why? Because they're good hair. people. Because <laughs> you're a psycho I, and you I, booed Ken Burns. Reminds, he's the least booable person. He's a lovely guy. It reminds me of the so time good. I went to see uh, went to see the Wizards play um, the Lakers. And Kobe was playing. And this might have been like during like the Jordan uh, Wizards era, but I don't know. But I had really great seats, just phenomenal <laughs> seats. And describe the seats. I mean, I'm on the floor. Obviously, I'm sitting right behind the basket. And 
uh, you know, there's Kobe Bryant. He's shooting his free throws, and I'm there with two buddies. And one of these assholes stands up, and he starts shouting the name of Kobe Bryant's accuser. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Kobe wow. shoots daggers at the man and wow. sinks both baskets and just runs off. And at the time, I kind of laughed. But I laughed because I was embarrassed. Mm. You Mine, shouldn't have done that. You, yeah, Mine you're was that a bit guy. different. Mine was a bit different. Yeah. He couldn't hear me. Yeah. I was from a safe distance. It didn't make any sense to yeah. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't like any, it wasn't apropos of anything. They probably thought it was one of those games where they give a certain amount of tickets to the mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. Just because yep. 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 like, yep. you know, reward them for uh, just, he doesn't know for bagging groceries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I don't like <laughs> Ken Burns. His, that is terrible. His, <laughs> his, his, uh, today. his, uh, uh, he, fun of Matt. No. Yeah, it's true. He had one of the worst, like, uh, like intellectual responses to his own documentaries that I've ever heard anybody do, which is that he, um, so he had a, a documentary series about prohibition yes. about oh, eight yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, uh, Nick Gillespie, uh, from reason, um, our good friend, um, uh, interviewed him and said like, Hmm. So like prohibition, right. Really bad idea. Is there any like modern, you know, public policy things that you can sort of like lessons. He's, that he's teeing up impart. the drug war that, that obviously. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like that's his job and he's yeah, right no, to I do know, it. I, no, I don't, that's not a criticism. And Ken Burns says, yes, um, absolutely. The lesson that we have to learn is that, you know, these, uh, uh, single issue fanatics like in the Tea Party, they're just wrong. Yeah. Like he turned it. He went to, to Hampshire. Come on. About the Tea Party. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And yeah. not about like, and, and Nick was like, you know, like the, you know, maybe like marijuana. Is it that? And he's like, no, 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 not that. Like he refused to see the most obvious applicable thing. And, did Shelby Foot show up? Well, Nick, uh, what the problem is was uh, down in Vicksburg. Uh, they had a drug war. It was very bad, and uh, now it's over. And uh, thank you, Ken. Uh, do a documentary about Vietnam now, which, by the way, was great, amazing. Watch it; it's so good. It's it's so good, and like I, you know, I'm critical of these of these things. But oh, by the way, film suggestion before I I, I forget. Uh, I think it was nominated. It was actually sponsored by the Russian government. I think they paid for it. Oh, oh those uh, are but, the good ones. But yeah. a very good one uh, called RT. Dear Comrades, and I believe it's on Amazon about um, a very famous uh, uh, time in 1962 where uh, people uh, at a factory in a far flung region of the Soviet Union went on strike, and they were gunned down. Uh, by authorities that were sent out by Khrushchev, and it's a very, very good film. I, would, oh, I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Hello. Shot in black and white, very kind of, you know, heavy. Uh, dear, don't do it like, hey, kids, gather around. We're going to watch the SpongeBob movie and Dear Comrades tonight. <laughs> Pop the popcorn. It's a kind of a grim movie, but uh, but very good and worth watching. So, Well, just to, to try to get some more stuff in here, because someone actually asked about this in the uh, clubhouse room earlier, and we did talk about it briefly on the Patreon earlier this week, but... Georgia, the voter law changes. Matt, I know you were just on Fox Business, I believe, talking to our dear, dear, dear friend, loved friend, Kennedy, about these issues. On her program. Yeah. Uh, Guy Benson was a guest. Could, could, you, give us, could you give us perhaps a, a little bit of context for yeah, man. the so, change that's happened? Uh, I, I am aware of the outrage, the intense outrage uh, amongst many corporations and their leadership 
companies like Delta, Delta Apple, have all Coke. come out against Jim Eagle. Jim after, Eagle. by the way, they came out after. They, they, they didn't came, come out before. Well, that's true. They weren't like they, they weren't they came lobbying. Out after they discovered, yeah. that Jim Eagle was happening. Like, when you find out, shit, Jim Eagle's got what? <laughs> when you find out that this is worse than Jim Crow, yeah, this yeah. is very important. It's so urgent. You need to find out. And the most important thing, as I understand it, Matt, <laughs> is the law explicitly <laughs> forbids giving people water or food when they're hungry. Yeah, which is really sad. And by the way, I just want to point out before you answer that Camille, when we were doing this on the Patreon. Didn't actually believe me <laughs> when I said that Joe Biden called this Jim Eagle, <laughs> and he was like, "That's not true." And I didn't it's like, it. and he looked it up, and he's like, "Holy Christ, that's <laughs> true!" Yeah. So no, but because it's absurd. Wait, Jim, you didn't know about this? He didn't actually say Jim Eagle. No, he said where's Jim Eagle? Uh, yeah, no, it's I, not Jim Crow. It's Jim Eagle. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit! What? That was so bad. I don't think he's one of the fuckers. That was the That was the other base. That was Jim Eagle. That's Jim Eagle. Jim Eagle. That is Obama. Obama. That's Obama. I don't know how to do the voices. You do the fucking voices. Let me be clear. <laughs> this is Jim Eagle. <laughs> this is Jim Eagle. <laughs> I don't know. He said it's Jim, Jim like, Eagle. I didn't even he know. He didn't say Jim Eagle. Yes, he, he did. Say I Jim don't Eagle. even know what that means. Oh. oh, my God. I was like, Eddie the Eagle, the skier from <laughs> I saw an eagle. Uh, <laughs> driving through the Delmarva Peninsula. Well, you are becoming Joe Biden. You're like, I saw an eagle. Let's talk eagle. I saw Seriously. an eagle one time and an eagle in Atlanta. Yeah. The eagle. Was, his name was Corn Pop. <laughs> it's Wait, do, you hear the Jim, do you want to hear the Jim Eagle? Yeah. Do you, uh, <laughs> this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line, waiting to vote, deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work, deciding that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. It's all designed, and I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House, number one. Number two, Educating the American public, the Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters, the folks out in the outside this White House. I'm not talking about the the elected officials. I'm talking about voters, voters. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic. I thought the eagle was <laughs> bigger than the crow. <laughs> right. crazy. Like, you want to go that the, the other, other direction. Way. Yeah. That yeah. was Jim Crow. This shit is Jim Eagle. That, oh, my God. This should be like Jim Sparrow. By the way, by the way this is how oh captured God. our media is at this moment. Like, why did no one, like, no, every late show should have made fun of that no. for, like, you know, at least three Just to four like, minutes. It's fine. Jim Eagle. Eagle. Jim Eagle. 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 You know, Eagle. Uh, Republicans I know. But, it but, is, it, but isn't it's it so nuts? I mean, it's, it's laughable, even if it's all of the things yeah. Joe Biden just said. The assertion that it is somehow worse than mm-hmm. Jim Crow. It's worse. It's fucking bananas. It's bananas. So, so it's bananas. Okay. So, so, Matt, tell me what's I'm going to tell on. you this. You tell me, because we haven't talked about the this. The president is full of shit, so we're in the <laughs> same place that we were in the last five years. Be fair to Washington Post, by the way, because I pissed on the media, they did do the, they pulled out the four Pinocchios four on Pinocchios. this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And uh, on, you uh, found a on fifth Kennedy's, 
tonight. Uh, Let me be clear. That's seven Pinocchio. <laughs> Chris Christie, who's actually pretty good at the top half uh, of of the program. He was on the said, program this evening. Yeah. He yeah. was like, you know, they give him four Pinocchios. And you know they hated that because they love Joe Biden. Mm. Right? Mm. It's like, I get what you're saying, but Glenn Kessler loves Joe Biden. Yeah. yeah. Probably not. Actually, maybe, but who cares? I mean, he who cares? Yeah. Like, stop fucking playing this. You can you can make that point yeah. as a an adult human being. Um, here's the thing. So, the way I look at this, and it's hard in our world, um, is um, the first thing that you want to do is to look and see what idiot fucking thing that the president said, and that was an idiot fucking thing, um, and it's bad. And there's a bunch of other stuff that he said that is bad. Like we shouldn't have the the Major League Baseball All Star Game in, in, in Atlanta, in Atlanta yeah, this yeah. year. Because and of course, n- we all know that only black people drink water. In <laughs> there line. is no shortage. <laughs> that is the thing. Black people love drinking water in line. Of that <laughs> shit, there is also no shortage of the Trumpian shit of that. There is widespread voter fraud, including of George yes. in Georgia, yes. which is where all this comes from. Uh, taken uh, into account as we take care of all this shit. All that is nonsense, and it's animating not just the bill in Georgia, but the bill in 43 fucking states, which is like in the front of the line of everything that Republicans are doing right now. It's that. We got to go after that thing now. Now! We got to go voter fraud now. Well, that's are you kidding now? The reason I mean, fuck, are you people talking about what you're talking about? Is that like yes, go? Well, no, it's just obvious that like at 75 million votes, your party is captured by Trump's voters, right? You can't really go out there and say it was stolen because guess what happens when you say that on television? People say, "How was it stolen?" You say, "I don't know. I just fucking read it on Trump's Twitter feed or whatever (laughs) he's on Parler or whatever he's on now." But so now, what do you do? Like, hey. We're going to do shit on the margins. Like this is basically what this shit is in, 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 in Georgia. Nothing huge. Some of the stuff, as we talked about in the Patreon, was legitimately deeply offensive that didn't get it into the final bill, which was the Sunday stuff, which is like, you know, basically yeah. targeting black churches. And there's that is exactly what they're doing. When people say, this is Jim Crow, et cetera, it, it's undeniable that Republicans don't want black people in Georgia to vote. And the reason they don't want black people in Georgia to vote is not because they're black, it's because they vote for Democrats. If it was a community of Danish people and they're notorious for 100% voting for Democrats, they would find a way to try to keep them from the polls. Rather than winning the election, you try to make it a little more difficult to vote. The stuff that ends up being in this bill is not nearly as bad as the stuff at the beginning, right? It's kind of on the margin stuff. Some of it actually makes sense, but the impetus for it is fucking bullshit. And we all know that. So what you do is you say, hey, look, I'm combating these, you know, inequities in voting because they get this special blah, blah, blah. It's all nonsense, right? But when you look at the actual final product, it's not that terrible. It's fairly defensible in certain ways. I think in other ways it's not. And you get to kind of make the Trumpian argument without making the Trumpian argument, right? You're making the argument that these elections are bullshit and rigged and we need to do something about it. We need to do something about it. And then you just adjust these things a little bit and you say, see, I did something about it rather than going out and, you know, tub thumping, idiotic, you know, grandstanding about how an election that wasn't stolen was stolen. But like it's even worse on some level <laughs> in the in the sense that um, – so we just had an event 
The MAGA riot? Is that what we decided to call it? It's, right? it's the MAGA melee. MAGA melee? Uh, I right. thought we ended on uh, the uh, freedom conflagration. The great kerfluffle. Yeah. That's what we're actually going to call that. The great kerfluffle. Yeah. Of 2021. So, that just happened, yeah. and it happened in an atmosphere of a whole bunch of— Why won't of, you call it domestic terrorism? Thank you. Why are you protecting white yeah. nationalist, white supremacist extremism? White Qaeda. Don't you remember when they burned self. the capital to the ground? Yeah. In 1812. Yes. of the government. So, Sorry. like— uh, Someone pooped in Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> desk drawer. Excuse me, sorry. That's what Lenin did in 1917. He pooped in Kerensky's drawer. He was like, "This government is ours." But also, but also, fuck those people. Just for the record, yeah, just for the record, I want to be very clear. Those half I have no sympathy. I'm also not going to pretend that we nearly lost the country. Yeah, we didn't lose the country. Won't be either one of those things. Yeah, you can have both views. Yes, yeah. Just like the Georgia laws can be stupid and completely unnecessary, and also not Jim Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> We've just come through a system in which the president of the United States made several phone calls to Georgian elected officials, mm. some of which were like overly uh, like uh, heavy breathed. Uh, Misreported, uh, I think, is the way where you're you. looking for. <laughs> um, later, but like all, in the weeks before the election, but all, all of them were shitty. All of them were bad. All of them were like, oh, we've got a bad president doing bad things, mm-hmm. right? So you have all of these efforts. <laughs> really, really? No, I mean, Donald Trump doesn't call. If he calls to check if his prescriptions are ready, it's a shitty call. It's a shitty call. Literally everything the guy away. is, it's a that, shitty call. Even like find, the doctor who's now dead, like all <laughs> bad. extra Vicodin. I know it's not what the prescription is for, so, for amoxicillin, but I could use some Vicodin. Could we all like to, to argue uh, over the voter ID element uh, of the bill or the water provision uh-huh. element of the bill, which is, is bad on its own. Just, you know, like, don't fucking pass a law that restricts any sense of providing water to people standing in line to vote. Like, there's no excuse for that. But the, there's but, not but, one. There's no, but, not one. No, there is in one sense, though. Because really? the, yes, of course. The, 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 the election, you know, location can provide water. The people can bring water. The only thing, look. Why I'm do not, we need a law we don't. to say no, no, about no, 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 what no. can happen with the no, no, water we, in the we, fucking line? We don't. But the thing that was most, I think, misreported about this was the fact that, like, Biden's saying, like, you can't drink water. It's like, yeah. it's a dumb needless pointless extension of you can't be you know x candidate you know goes and buys pizza for everybody and gives it out when they're in line with their like shirts on for biden or whatever is it needed is it necessary absolutely not and anybody who's halfway sensible should realize that you the fewer laws that we have the better we don't need more of this stuff but that was the fake motivation, right? But it, but the reporting on it, Jesus Christ, how many people did I see on Twitter who are smart people saying they're preventing people from getting water in great, lines? Great, yeah. great, 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 great. Like it's, they're all crazy. Biden's all crazy. The hyperventilation is all crazy. And yet there was a law that was passed. Yes. And the law contained provisions that were garbage. And one of the garbage, any provision in a law about voting that prevents even a little bit People fucking drinking water in line is garbage. There's no fucking excuse for it. There's none. This, this but, is fair. 
There's none, uh, right? Listen, and it's yeah. not just that, but like in in the context of of the Trump approach post Georgia and post election, in which the entire Republican Party for this at this point is bought into a bogus idea of voter fraud that is widespread. A couple of provisions in the law. One of the is that like the state election commission can tell the locals, the locals in any precincts, like, I don't think that you're doing a good enough job. I can bounce you out. Yeah. 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 That's so yeah. we're going to, uh, <laughs> we're going to make this more vulnerable to like shithead, um, kind of political like pressure right now at a time when we've seen in the last five years so much and really so much in the last four months, five months more than any other time that Republicans stand for fucking nothing. Right. When it really comes to like, you're not going to really go for this. Are you, you're not going to say that you believe in this. Are you, or are you going to like, like go for this absolutely bullshit line of attack. So they're going to make those positions more politically vulnerable. And there's a couple of different instances in this bill that do that. So like, you're going to weaken that system in the name of election integrity. Fuck you. Like it's not Joe Biden. It's not the new Jim Crow. It's not all of that shit, but on the very small little thing of which it is, of which it is a change in the law. It is absolutely fucking garbage. And it needs to be absolutely fucking described as trying to restrict people's ability to vote. I don't think that it'll make <laughs> it is. much. Is it not? No, I, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm chuckling um, because as you were talking, we were, you know, I'm doing what I do, which is, you know, trying to texting more get some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I was just rereading this uh, New York Times um, story. Why Stacey Abrams is still saying she won <laughs> with this glowing photo of her, and you could see that like there's all these colors. Oh my it's, god, it's beautiful. There's she, a lot of colors. She looks she's at a the Pink Floyd concert. It's <laughs> <laughs> very sober. It's very serious. <laughs> this is not a severe critique yeah. of someone who's destroying yeah. democracy by propagating falsehoods yes. about the fact that they won an election. This is someone who's providing ostensibly serious responses to questions from professional journalists and the paper of record mm-hmm. about claims of election fraud Mm -hmm. the question is asked i saw that recently you said something like you'd won your election but you you just didn't get to have the job her response stacy abrams yes period yeah (laughs) Yeah. Fifty thousand votes you lost is is there any fear on your part that using that kind of language fans the same flames that president trump has fanned about delegitimizing our election guess what lengthy response Never pulls back. Brief follow-up. It's one thing to say you lost one the election being, unfairly. Being it's another to say you won because you increased voter turnout. But can you clarify for me exactly what you're implying when you say you, quote, won that election? And she goes on to say that she won't concede defeat. She mm-hmm. will never concede. And to this day, to this day as far as I know, she has, not, has yeah. not conceded. In fact, when it is that, well when, known. When is that from? 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, Total the April twenty eighth, twenty nineteen, Stacey Abrams, savior of the twenty twenty one election. She is the reason, as I've heard, Saint Stacey. Yeah, I, th- the thing is, is that president. doesn't have any effect on her popularity at all. I mean, well, she no, it makes her more popular, more popular, because um, it's true. I do actually think that when Republicans push this stuff, 
this these kind of unnecessary things. And like I think we can all agree on the fact that this would never have happened if it was, you know, Mitt Romney who lost the 2020 election and sort of graciously and in, in, in a Mormon-like way conceded. I mean, this is obviously a response, as we previously said, to, to, to what Donald Trump did. And it's a way of kind of keeping these people in your coalition. The thing about this is I wonder if this is something that is ultimately down the line positive for these people, right? Because Donald Trump, you know, we can't see this on YouTube, by the way, or Facebook or Instagram, whatever the fuck it is, uh, where he gives an interview to, uh, was it Laura Trump? Who's, oh, she, yeah. who's she married yeah, to? Baron? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. She's some loser Trump and she's married to one of these doofuses. Wait, that's not his daughter? Laura I don't Trump? know. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I think it's one of the she's ones. She's doing an interview. She's, yeah. she's married to one of the ones that looks kind of ridiculous. It was, kind of, it was a benign interview, wasn't it? Was it was kind of benign, yeah. yeah. But he, say, he indicates that he's going to run in 2020. Right. Which is like More. literally the worst thing that ever happened to the Republican Party. Not America, not the, like, but the Republican Party is like, you are going to see because the second that happens, they don't think down the road. They don't think, which is precisely why no one saw Donald Trump coming. Now it's the opposite of that. They're like assuming that Donald Trump is going to be the candidate in 2024 and they will start responding as such. For instance, Marco Rubio uh, coming out in favor of an Amazon union in Alabama. Is it Alabama? Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. Alabama. And, and like, you know, what? I'm sorry. What? You're like, you making videos about cancel culture and unions and about how much you love them? Everyone trying to conform to this. I don't think in 2024, and this is a complete guess, and I have no evidence for this whatsoever, but four years without Donald Trump, I think by the time that 2024 comes, you're like, yeah, no, we're good. We're actually good. I think that we're probably done with this. He <laughs> lost this election. Nope. And he will lose the next election. Okay. And if Republicans have any sense about them, they will understand that an even more doddering and confused version of that nutcase coming up in 2024 against the sort of desiccated remains of Joe Biden is like, like, what is happening here? This is like a, like a necrop necrocracy what is it what, i'm making up a word here it is it's pretty good is that uh, necrocracy <laughs> Necro that necrocracy are we fucking the dead people necrocracy no, good we're fucking the dead people. yeah i think so yeah yeah, yeah. 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 See, but like you wanted to know how you lost those fingers exactly <laughs> the hell of a night <laughs> hell of a night it was two yep. could have been three <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm going back to seconds oh boy yeah that's like look I don't think that this stuff you can you can do the like the the Donald Trump Mankay shit for what how long two years what's this gonna look like in three years what's the when you're performing there's no replacement there's no replacement That's no it. but but you know what there's gonna be a replacement next time he, because you lose two he of them? will vacate they'll still be like pretending like he's there dude I I just was That's with a thing. lot of Trump people and there's nothing that convinced me that these people like Don they could wheel out fucking Donald Trump's pickled corpse like it was Lenin's tomb and they'd vote for this guy. Yeah. They are absolutely committed to him and everything he says. It is a religious movement in the same way. We have two religious movements right now. We have like the religious movement of kind of wokeism and we have the religious movement of, of Trumpism. Mm, three. Three. What's the third one? The fifth column. The fifth column it's is true. a religious <laughs> Church of the Fifth. We're a fucking Church cult. Of the fifth. Yes. That's yes. fine. Five years of the That's fifth. Fine. We'll never steer you wrong. No. no we'll never good. steer you wrong. 
This is we're on Camille's uh, sea org wrong. right now. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. The Church of the Fifth. Listen, the Church of the Fifth is right. Commit yourself. Yes. Condemn the apostates. Can we talk about tithing? Await further instructions. <laughs> that is it. Those are the three precepts of the church. <laughs> but, but, but we need some tithing beforehand. We yeah. Should, like, you know, the Mormons do like, I think 5%. We do 40% of your income. I think that's good. Yeah. In, 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 that might seem high, but yeah. the rewards. Only, only to the non-believer. To the non-believer. I yeah. mean, who thinks it's high? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. In fact, you should give more. Yes. You put your fucking little Nas X devil shoes on, you unbelievers. You should give more. 40%, we don't spit in your face. We're like, okay. Higher than that, we're like, okay, that's you're more committed. My controversial take on that Lil Nas X song yeah. is it's better than Old Town Road. I mean, that's a, no, it's a pretty no. it is. It's a pretty it low is bar. Than, good. It is better than Old Town Road. In fact, low bar. in fact, might actually be kind of good. I'm all I'm saying. Just the song itself. I'm not talking about the music video, which I don't care. I don't have a problem with that. Or the the devil shoes. You're mad about WAP though. I don't really care. Well, I'm you and all Snoop. I was saying was, all I was saying was <laughs> all I was saying was, and I I didn't know about the Snoop thing. Is I'm not terribly concerned about the WAP song. Right? Yes. I don't really care. I don't like it because I think it's lame. I just don't think it's a good song. Yeah. I I like songs that are far more terrible than that. Mm-hmm. I I just do. I love horrible, raunchy, deplorable music with nasty, disgusting themes. Yes. I do. And I listen you to it. You just don't like when women do it. I listen to it in my car. That's not true. That's not true. I mean, Lil' Kim, she's great at it. Yeah, she's she was really good phenomenal. at it. Phenomenal. She's still the best. She was very good at it. Yeah. Um, just effortless. And it might have been because Biggie yes. was writing for her. Yes. I oh, said that wow. I said that you too. Had to do that. Jeez. That Did you hear that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I mean, I watched that that performance and I just was not. He's the guy who thinks George, still thinks George Elliott's a man. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so do I. I, I, was not, I was not impressed with their performance. I don't think seeing two women who are like moderately attractive and like have actual bullet holes and various other defects like watching them (laughs) like smash their genitals together or at least pretend to smash their genitals together while seeing a song neither of them help saying all sorts of things that i don't you don't believe that your heart is not in that you don't mean it you don't mean it wop 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 smash your genitals together i am not surprised to discover that snoop dogg Snoop Dogg, yeah, of doggy style. Yes, fame. also briefly a porn director. Do you know I mean, yes. Listen, Snoop is a man with many experiences. Yeah, he don't Thank love you. them hoes and various other things. As Snoop was Dog was DJ Yella. I think was also a by porn all director. of this. Yeah. Yeah. He was freaked out by it. Yes, he said this is too much. Kind you of a can't do that on stage. Yes, I don't know. There is no hypocrisy. You're wrong. There's no hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. You're 100 saying wrong. Yes. all sorts of deplorable things on your album and promoting depravity and producing pornography and saying, you know what? I don't think that should be on the Grammy stage. I think that might be sexist. I don't think that's hypocrisy. I think that, I think that might be an example of real live sexism. (laughs) And when he's saying like, it's fine when I do it. No, it's fine when easy does it. Who's who's dead. You know how easy died. Cause he took that shit too seriously. uh (laughs) It's not sexism. it's not sexism. It's okay when they do it, but I'm, not when Megan the Donkey or whatever the fuck her name is Meg, does it. Megan the Stallion. Oh, is a different. Oh, she's a, it's a, a big, different. It's a, it's a more majestic kind animal. of. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't look very majestic to me. Charismatic, charismatic <laughs> megafauna. Yeah, it was not. No, it was not majestic. Majestic. Not majestic. It, not a majestic it was, experience. It was recently shot. So 
Yeah, but she was this shot by this. Yes. Well, we don't know. Foot. We, don't we don't know. know. This hasn't been adjudicated yes. yet. Yeah. The Illuminati. What you, but what lane. you told me before the podcast, <laughs> and I'm not sure if we can say this in the podcast, we don't. Like, but you said that she shot Nipsey Hustle, which I was I like, did I didn't know. That. You did. I didn't say You said that. you had evidence. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I wouldn't make that claim. We, we actually know who shot Nipsey Hustle. He's been arrested. See, when the cops want to, they find the bad guy. Biggie Tupac? They're in on it. They're in on it. Um, it's, a, it's April Fools. So I make jokes. That's I, what I will say. Freddie, Freddie Gibbs, Gibbs. I keep listening to Gang Signs. His song, God damn it, is really good. Freddie Gibbs. So yeah. he's gonna it's kill another, another person. Or All right. move on. I said, keep, um, listen, my that. laptop is dead. Okay. I know there are things that we did not address. Uh, I know that we said that we might talk about like the Biden infrastructure situation. Nah. I don't know that we need to spend a great deal of time. You two hours about and it. you don't talk this about thing, infrastructure. This thing. This thing. <laughs> we know that it's more than two trillion dollars. This is on the heels of the one point nine trillion dollar thing that's already been passed. We know that there is billions, and I mean like hundred plus billion monies that are going directly to companies like. I don't know, you know, the desperately impoverished small businesses like AT&T and Verizon mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. who need to build out broadband networks. We know that there's $80 billion for trains because mm-hmm. it's Joe Biden. And rather than privatize Amtrak, they're giving him more subsidies. No, it's $100 billion for public schools around the country. It, all of this shit that if a state or local government says, you know, what we need more of, we need more public school stuff. They could raise taxes and pay for those things themselves. Instead, Joe Biden wants to do it through the federal government, federal subsidies, subsidies to corporations, again, to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars, all performative bullshit, all supposedly going to be funded by an increase in the corporate tax rate over, what, 10, 15 years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It seems to me, and I've seen actually, I presumed immediately, well, this is the sort of thing that depresses private investment. And you're taking away money that would have been spent on capital by these very same companies that you're going to be giving some of the money back to. This is probably going to cost us trillions of dollars worth of private investment. The market hasn't reacted to this, by the way. Trillion dollars. It it was been roaring, and you know, bigger numbers than anything under under yeah yeah the stock market yeah uh, yeah the the, the stock market is like bizarrely decoupled from the rest of the economy, and that may have something to do with the fact that the Federal Reserve, in in all of its wisdom, is doing a great deal to pump cash into the the economy directly again into the pockets. Of super fucking rich people, of course. But <laughs> the, that's how this works. The thing that the thing that I wondered if it would um, have some reverberations, and we'll see down the line, is the tax stuff. Because otherwise, do you know what markets love? Markets love the infusion of government cash into people's pockets. Every single time those stimulus checks went out, the mm. market fucking rallied. Every time something was announced, it rallied. And that is, you know, money in the, it's, you know, pay now, deal with the consequences later, right? But right now, it's money in people's pocket, the market responded. I, I, I'm, we'll see what it looks like um, down the road when, when, you know, those taxes, when it says, what is it, any, anybody making under $400,000, Biden says, we'll see if this is true, uh, we'll pay no more in taxes. We'll see. We'll see. But we those under four hundred thousand dollars have a pretty heavy burden it's because it's a lot it's of fucking. fucking I mean, how do you pay for this stuff? But the, we're well, seeing well, they're, they're committed to not actually paying for it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, that's the thing. But, but here's the thing that's really, really fascinating, and and it's worth somebody like pointing this out and like looking into it. Is these kind of crazy people, these new monetary policy people, which is you know a. In, 
totally crazy academic. The, MM, the MMT contingent. Yeah, this monetary. These people, which is stands for Magic Monetary Policy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, that would be MMP theory. Yeah, theory. Yeah. But I like the P is the puck because it's policy now. Yeah. It's not theory anymore. It's not. It's not actually yeah. magic monetary. It, but, but no. It, but to me, it is. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, the theory is in its most sort of you know rudimentary way, and it's pretty rudimentary to begin with. Is it doesn't matter if you keep printing money. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep spending. If that you know, if your debt becomes. $40 trillion. It's not going to have any effect on inflation. And they, of course, point back to things like particularly during the financial crisis that there was during that quantitative easing that a lot of us were wrong, that that was going to create inflation, inflation. that did not happen. And so you have to you have to actually contend with the fact that it didn't happen. But they're contending with, contending with it in, I think, probably the wrong way, which is the weird thing about this is it's kind of actually happening in, in practice without anybody realizing it. Without anybody from these modern new monetary policy folks coming into the White House and saying, here's what we're going to do. And they say, OK, great. That's just kind of happening by default because the spending is popular at the moment. COVID is the cover. And what's going to be the long the long term effects of this? Well, let's wait and see. Mm. I'm, I'm not confident that it's going to be an easy, easy sailing from here on out. I recall uh, talking to our friend Nancy, whose house we're sort of adjacent to right now, um, <laughs> like four or five months ago, like what, what she should do with her investments. I'm like, maybe buy a little Bitcoin right now. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast where we give out financial advice with great confidence. We know that the things do you that want we me to repeat the thing that I that my text? you a lot of money. Do you want me to repeat my text? <laughs> Let's not talk about that Why? What Let's happened? About- oh, just the text that I sent to Camille at $11,000. And he was like, I said, buy the dip. He's like, dip at $11,000? It's at fucking $59,000 right now. <laughs> Listen to me. He'd be fucking, you know, rolling up his like splits. And you can trust us at the yeah. fifth She's column. She's going to be like, financial. but why don't you trust me? <laughs> send us send us your money. We'll invest it for you. Why don't you trust me? But like, Matt, you, well, you've been picking winners you, for a very long time. Why don't you talk to us about it? You stupid fuckers. <laughs> Yeah. I, I haven't been picking winners at all. Yeah. How many How many Bitcoin do you own, Matt Welch? Matt told us to, to, to invest in the Venezuelan <laughs> Bolivar. as you will, I'm youngin. Asking, no. Yeah. Youngling. Asking. You gave yeah. Nancy great advice. She made a bunch of money. She made a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, she ain't paying enough of it to I've earn. been covering uh, us use the well, currencies and devaluations for longer than you've been alive. You wow. How many, but you're avoiding the question, how many Bitcoins do you have? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> No, I don't Whoa. fucking profit from no, this you, shit at all. Oh, money, you, is not, you, money is not important. It's not important to him. Not important no, but it is important. It distasteful. It actually say, is important. Money ain't a thing. Yeah. I don't fucking wake up in the morning <laughs> consumed by my stupid fucking life like one yeah, man yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of like, I might get a Matt, trade of my like, fucking... Right, no, right. Yeah. no, I don't. I never do. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. You want to, I'm yeah. not in debt you want and to swim I in never my pool? need to borrow any money. <laughs> it's like fucking the, crazy. Can you actually it's hear like fucking, the white privilege? That is the sound of white privilege. It's the sound of a motherfucker who pays attention that the right privilege isn't working for him. <laughs> Do currency flows. Yeah. There are different currencies in this world. Yeah. And if you want to hedge your bets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
hedge them. Okay, Bitcoin is part of the subway. No, man, it's all currency flows. Listen, no, (laughs) you stupid cunt. It is you stupid (laughs) cunt. It is remarkable. You are such a stupid cunt. (laughs) You think of the the morning. It's all the drinking. This is how we got kicked off. How we got kicked off serious. And it was because Matt didn't make any money. Also, we don't have anything against cunts. We should just say that we not a pejorative. Yeah. Well, you stupid. said it was the stupid one. Oh, yeah, stupid right. You part. said it was the stupid one. No, it wasn't like, a picture. That's a positive. That's the right. I wish that I had, like you, Bitcoin for sure. Yes, yeah. But like, fucking hedge your bets. That's yeah. the thing. That's well, a currency. You hedge your bets. You so diversify. I think is the word. That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, no but like, diversify. For hedge, 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 hedge is diversify. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like it's the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. fucking euro, Swiss franc. And Bitcoin. That's it. Mm. Unless you want to fucking be a uh, red Chinese like yeah. you. I, I hear, don't look at me and say I'm with the red Chinese. You know that I'm not. I'm just like trying to provoke. I'm you. not with just wants you to know that he his pocket is full of Swiss friends. <laughs> so many. And you're um, fucked. All of so, you. So we've so we've covered we've covered the the thing. I mean, we talked about yeah. the Biden infrastructure situation. The the, the thing about I think it that, Matt just that, tapped out. I know. We're, no, we're, I'm tapped we're in. Close to the limit I'm ready to go. The thing about it that stood out to two me is more just hours. The, the quality of the coverage on this issue as well. I mean, similar in terms of the direction of the era, but it's error. It's just the lack of skepticism. What was the CNN headline that I sent to you? Um, it was like it was something Joe like, Biden loves us. It was like Joe Biden's <laughs> stimulus package just gave you a hand job and you didn't even know it. And I was like, Did I? It's actually not far off. It's not far off. It was a CNN headline. It was like literally the it was the headline on the homepage in like twenty point type. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, this was was labeled as analysis. Oh, was it? This was labeled as analysis. It's still the top story. Yeah. So the the headline, the headline on the front page was Biden's infrastructure plan is no joke. Nope. (laughs) On on the inside, on the inside, once you click through, I'm just kidding. Infrastructure was Trump's punchline, but it is a window into Biden's soul. Which apparently oh. is filled with subsidies for corporations. Yes. Massive. Yes. Massive corporations. Yes. And trains. Uh, trains that yes. no one uses except he, Joe Biden. He does. He's, he never. He's, I don't think he doesn't even been, use that anymore. Never been on that train. Now he's got his no. own plane. No, he was like Saddam Hussein. He had a body double ride the train <laughs> and fucking take him on a helicopter to put the damn dog on the train. Biting everybody on the train. <laughs> Stupid dog. <laughs> dog is the worst. My dog has never been anyone. I love the fact five years later it ends with you like stupid dog, <laughs> dumbass dog biting people. Um, but but the um maybe get serious for a moment and, mm. oh, before yeah. we leave because mm-hmm. there's another another story that I think has been misreported. And I do really feel like a lot of what we do here is uh, just kind of like we uh. take the bleach. And we just squirt it in there and just clean everything out or just take like the oh, sunlight and just I put it in you. your lungs yeah. and, and clean out all the yeah. COVID. <laughs> that's what we do. Yes. That's what we do with the news stories uh-huh. here and the news cycle yes. in general. Uh, You're the hydrochloroquine yeah. of the yeah. news. Exactly. Yeah. You could put yeah. it in your fish tank yep. or you could take it. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you die, you You'll be fine. You die. You didn't, you didn't read the instructions. You can't on find the fish it tank. in your local CVS. Get it in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's probably a fucking fish tank store in Mexico. Sure. Sure. When you're finished. You know, just come over the wall that Mexico paid I for. I did. I did tell you totally. the story about the guy that I met in Texas, whose doctor wouldn't give him 
hydrochloroquine and he went to Mexico and bought it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I got a blister pack. I still got a bunch left. I'm like, what do you, do, you do with it? Yeah. He's like, I take it. And, I was, like, you know, I was like, and, and, then, and then I stopped and I was like, you know, your eye is bleeding. <laughs> and he was like, whatever, that's fine. I don't have COVID. I was like, okay, okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right, sir. There are people that's that do this shit. Out his tombstone. Yeah. Didn't have COVID. Didn't have COVID. Like, I, I think in the past I was like, yeah, they don't listen to Donald Trump. They listen to they Donald listen. Trump. No, Absolutely. They that's fine. They go. No, there are people listen. who listen. Yeah. Although, although, I will say about Trump, Trump has openly appealed to his voters and said, you should take the vaccine. It's a beautiful vaccine. We made yes. a great vaccine. You should take it. Which is because he wants to take credit for <laughs> they it. <won't. laughs> no, they won't take it. No. So no, I asked that. a number of people if they take the vaccine. A few said yes. Yeah. A bunch uh, said no. No, they didn't trust it. And when I challenged them, this is actually true because I knew this and I said to them, it, this is on film. I like you know Donald Trump says you should take the vaccine. They literally stopped and were like, "Wow!" And I'm like, "No, really? <laughs> you seriously going to now rethink everything because that psycho just told you you should take it?" Yep. And like li- literally, like, and on the other end, uh, walking around Austin, there's all these uh, signs um, that says uh, that say uh, uh, what's his name, Governor. Um, what is wrong with my head? Abbott. Abbott. It says, says Governor Abbott is not a doctor. <laughs> I was just like, you know, none of them are. Just for the record, none of these guys are doctors. Well, Rand Paul's a doctor. Yeah, but you know, he's not very good in a fight, though. Oof. God, we're not going to do that again. I, not gonna do that again. I'm just saying. Not right. It's not if right. I wanted to fight a member, blindsided uh, like headphones. Yeah, but why are you wearing headphones when your neighbor is such a psycho? Put the that's true. Don't noise canceling. No, if my neighbor, yeah. if my neighbor was the sort of person who I thought might attack me, yeah, and I, I like knew them to be crazy. I'm Get probably speakers. not wearing headphones. I mean, yeah, put I don't, out the window. No, to be clear, never no, wear headphones ever. You never yeah. do because because sure. no, of Rand Paul. Well, they're they're, they're going to come after you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I was going to say this, this, uh, this story that, that people have definitely seen about um, a woman, a woman who was unfortunately attacked um, on the street in New York um, is generally oh, yeah. reported that she's not merely a woman. She is an Asian woman. Yes. Um, this is a I think we're very important. That day, yeah. And if she weren't an Asian woman, you wouldn't know about this story. The attack would have still happened. It would still be a, a travesty, but you wouldn't know. The, the detail here, though, is not merely that this story is reported and it is accompanied by assertions about a definite wave of hate crimes, whether or not the evidence for these claims exists, but whatever. But it's also been reported alongside accounts of these horrible security guards initially. Yes. And then they were changed to doormen who saw the attack happen and did nothing, did nothing, refused to help and were Mm -hmm. fired and they have been publicly castigated. Um, It turns out that those stories are not quite accurate, which is to say Uh that they are fucking false. Is that true? It appears these gentlemen were in the back room. This is being reported now, days later. They were in the back. They were putting packages away for their guests. The UPS guy who was there like with his cart of stuff, like saw the attack happening. He calls back to these gentlemen and they come out to the front and you do see in the video them closing the door, but you'll also notice that they're closing the door after the attack has happened. And apparently according to a resident of the building who wrote an account of this on next door, which is a web app, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, the man was in the streets, appeared to be armed with a weapon at that point. And was still kind of marauding about yes. while this woman was in need of help. 
additional footage is now available and we do see the doorman going outside to try and render aid and help this woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's unfortunate the way things proceed. The fact that we simply cannot learn our lesson when it comes to these stories and the hysteria that accompanies these stories and our determination to believe all manner of bullshit in the absence of evidence, because simply having some certitude around uncomfortable events is, it, I guess, very comforting. The, the speed <laughs> that's necessary to, to, for people to get on top of these stories on Twitter and the rest of it is obviously the big culprit here. And of course that... The journalists are feeding into it. The journalists are feeding into it. And like we've seen examples in the past where, you know, a sort of white supremacist attack on an Asian person turned out not to be the case. Um, the attack did indeed happen, but it wasn't as told. But there was another video uh, in the past couple of days that was on a train. It was on a, a New York City subway train. Mm. It was an Asian man, I believe. Certainly uh, how it's been reported. Yes. But yes, being beaten mm-hmm. uh, pretty ruthlessly, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that the same frame is what, and, and this one seems to be accurate because it's kind of hard not to notice this. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't get when people say things like this. Like nobody, like people are shouting at this guy, stop, what the fuck are you doing, et cetera. But why did nobody intervene? Well, here's the thing, is that you need to intervene if there's a bunch of men on the train. It's got to be like these big guys. They would have to coordinate pretty quickly, right, mm-hmm. and say, let's go. You going to be a one person and go up there and intervene is so fucking easy on Twitter to say, like, nobody intervened. And I saw this, like, like endless numbers of tweets from, like, sort of, you know, reedy little pipe cleaner armed fucking journalists saying, you didn't intervene. It's like, I've seen so much shit on the train, you know, some of it not racially motivated at all. Um, we don't know if this one was, that nobody intervenes. Mm-hmm. And the reason they don't intervene is because it's fucking dangerous to intervene. And you're, so this person's getting a beat down, and you're not going to really stop that at this point. At the you know, first 30 seconds is where it's all being determined, and this person's being knocked out, basically. Mm-hmm. And the guy gets off the train, leaves at the next stop, whatever. But people complaining about this stuff is like stop pretending that heroism is just a normal default for most people. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go after somebody who is ruthlessly and they know how to fight. Watch that video. This is somebody who knows how to beat somebody down. They're doing it pretty ruthlessly. And then you're going to go, you don't know if this guy's got a weapon. If there's a person who's willing to do that on a train full of people it's the same person that I would imagine would be willing to carry a weapon on them. And you might want to not intervene or kind of shout at them or call the cops or whatever. So the whole thing, like to that story, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that that's what came out, but even if that hadn't come out, it's a hard thing to, to, to jump in. Cause of course they frame it at first as a security guard, which is their job. Right. So then you can say something, but then it turns into a doorman. Eh, it's not really the doorman's job. But, you know, well, the humanity of the whole thing is like, you know, I get it. I'm sure that this person desperately wanted to do something to help this person. But um, don't criticize people for not putting themselves in harm's way in a very, very split second decision. Because those scenarios, if you've ever been, have you ever been, anyone been ever on a train when there's a brutal fight? I have a mm-hmm. bunch. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. Because like people start backing up. Yeah. They go into the other car and like they're all back because you don't there's people flying around and you're like nobody wants to get involved in that yeah. nobody they have no idea what happened and then in the video this girl's like 
who I think either is either with the guy or on the side of the guy, says, oh, he, he called him the N-word. And then everyone kind of is like, oh, okay. I didn't seem like that was true, Yeah. <laughs> by so the almost, way. Almost certainly not true. Yeah, I mean, the guy was just like, almost you know, I mean, if it was, weirdly, everyone was filming and they didn't catch it. But, but yeah, these videos um, keep coming out. And they do obviously not um, feed the narrative that has been being presented by a lot of people. And that's an important with, point. With respect to white supremacy fueling yeah. racist yeah. attacks on, yeah. on Asian people. Yes. Which I, th- I think we kind of talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, we did. And, and, I've, did. and I've had like exchanges. It's still consistent though. Yeah. No, I've, had, talked about, so. I've had exchanges with people about, about this topic as well. And the, the fact that generally there is a tendency to emphasize race in media coverage yeah. when it fits the established narrative. And to the extent there are inconvenient racial dynamics that don't aren't consistent with the narrative, i.e. a black person does something and say an Asian person is the, the victim, the black person being the assailant, Asian person being the victim, uh, then we refer to white supremacy mm-hmm. as the, the ultimate cause for this, yes. this insidious force yes. that is moving behind the scenes, poltergeist-like, forcing people to do things do um, against do- their better judgment or perhaps they have no judgment because they are not actually agents. They that's, can only that's be right. acted upon. Yes. Because only white people are sufficiently supreme to have the autonomy to act on their own. Yes. And the lowly Thank Negro, <laughs> the lowly Negro can only act when acted upon by white people. It's legitimately a racist, not it's legitimately a racist argument. Yeah. But it, like, is a, it is a disturbing. Will you finally fucking argument. shut the fuck up? Yeah. In this Who? Scenario? What? No, Camille. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we use sure. this yeah. to our it advantage? Is, yeah. yeah. I know. It no, is. I should it be is. using this to my advantage. Yeah. Camille right. is at the point of like Bill O'Reilly cut his mic. Um, <laughs> it is a legitimately racist argument, it's, by the way. It's explicitly racist. It's explicitly racist. Yeah. It's and, saying and that dehumanizing. It's dehumanizing. Yes. And, and by the way, one final point and on they, this. And they don't see it. They don't see I, it. I have friends. Oh, I have so friends who look kind of like me. Yeah. Who I've yeah. known for years. Who were formerly fairly sensible people. Yeah. Who use the phrase white supremacy in precisely this conspiratorial way. And and I will say again, for not the first time, that white supremacy is the most popular and successful conspiracy theory in America right now. And yeah. by that, I don't mean actual people who are white supremacists who believe that the their supremacy whiteness makes of the, them great yes, yes. and that the Negro is lowly. They're people who think they're doing good. And can't shut the hell up about white supremacy and infect every conversation with speculation about dark racist motives that are somewhere beneath the surface but are never quite able to be articulated because it's not actually the thing that we it, it, used is, to call racism. This is the religious this fanaticism, is thing. right? Yeah. It's yeah. a religious fanaticism in the sense that like you are confronted with something that that you know doesn't confirm your priors it disproves what you're saying and you have to go to almost the supernatural to say that you know no no the thing that i've been saying is actually true despite the fact that there's no evidence of this you just need to believe this you need to believe what i believe despite the fact that the evidence is contrary mm-hmm. and that is a kind of disturbing place to be in and that was never the case in the past and why was that never the case in the past Let's look at New York City when there were tensions in New York City between two different racial groups. So tense, in fact, 
that had dominated the newspapers, the New York Post, a very famous cover of the New York Post in Bensonhurst, not in Bensonhurst, in uh, Crown Heights, mm-hmm. of a Hasidic person covered in blood. That provoked two left-wing people, Michael Lerner, who was uh, the editor of Tikkun magazine. Remember Tikkun magazine? A, uh, you know, the Jewish version of a liberation theologist, the left-wing kind of a religious guy. Um, and Cornel West wrote a book together called Blacks and Jews about this tension that existed between blacks and Jews. And it was talked about openly, consistently, and actually in a way that was pretty constructive, you know? I mean, that book is an interesting book in a lot of ways. There's a lot that's wrong with it. But that was a conversation that was had at the time because there was simmering tensions and there was people were making, you know, clear you know, references and connections between the attacks that were happening and the the race of either the perpetrator or the victim and, and, and different times it was, you know, reversed. We cannot do that now because it runs up yeah, against the dominant ideology and that dominant ideology requires, you know, fealty to the belief. And when the belief all of a sudden, you know, kind of splits off, like when when you ask somebody who's religious – to prove the existence of X or Y, you know, you're, you know, a God-fearing person and I'm going to give you a Hitchens, Dawkins, Daniel Dennett type argument. Watch their responses. Listen to what they say. Um, Some of it's compelling and interesting and, you know, but it's never very convincing. And this is exactly what you're seeing now. It's not grounded in fact. It's completely based in faith. And, you know, when, when somebody says, actually these people are overwhelmed by white supremacy. It's almost like being overwhelmed by the devil. It's this thing that has uh-huh. taken, mm-hmm. taken, you know, part of your body. Yeah. You have no control over it. And the only thing we could do to these people is have some sort of, you know, political ideological exorcism to get this out of themselves. So they're, you know, cured and purified of this alien force within their body. It is so demented that I find it embarrassing for them to say that people have no agency over themselves, number one, because it presumes that this attack that Camille is referencing was racially motivated. Well, I'm not sure that it was. And you know why? The man had recently got out of prison for killing his mother his when mom. he was 21 years old. Why that man is out of prison, God knows. No. But 21, he kills his mother. Maybe this man is just a generally violent scumbag. He was on on probation, was living in a nearby hotel, which was uh, some sort of transitional housing situation, and apparently did scream some anti-Asian things while he was attacking this person. But as, as we've suggested, the sort of person who attacks strangers on the street and yeah. murders their mom yeah. may, in fact, be willing to say all kinds of yes. dodgy things while assaulting you. Yeah. He yeah. might use racial slurs. That does not suggest that this couldn't have happened but for racial animus inspired by Donald Trump related to COVID-19. It's craziness. People get mad and they say somebody cuts you off Ugh. in a car and they're obese. You might call them a fat fuck or whatever. You might do. You L- might yeah. call them. <laughs> it's never happened to me, by the way. No, I'm only cut no, off by, by like I've never Ukrainian seen supermodels. on an actual Uber driver's car because you're so angry. I've never Jesus. seen anything like never. that. That's never happened. Um, but Mike, I, Michael Rappaport. <laughs> did you see the Rappaport? Got I did. In a fight with whom? I did see. I did see with uh, Kevin Durant. With Kevin Durant. What yeah. did, did you read the exchange? Because I one did thing, see some of it, yes. Kevin Durant 
in every to speak about like what overwhelms people and they're angry. Every fucking response that Kevin Durant sent to Michael Rappaport, and uh-huh. I like Michael Rappaport. I have a lot of respect for the guy. I think he's funny and interesting. He made a good documentary about Tribe Called Quest, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which is really good. Very sad because Five Dog had type one diabetes and died because he didn't take care of himself. Uh, I'm a type one diabetic. Um, the, the the thing about every one of those response, what was the word that was in everyone? Pale. You mm-hmm. pale ass mother. His I like it, the invocation of race is really infected everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, he can't even insult Michael Rappaport without invoking like skin color. That's what happens when people are overwhelmed it's by everywhere. this in culture. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You're going to punch somebody, you're going to mention it. You're going to, it's, it's, it's really, really nasty. I, and I, it's, un, I it's really un, do like the, the last thing I'll say, cause I think it's actually the, it's generally, it's genuinely valuable for people to imagine something here because the response from conservatives in a number of contexts and, and really like right thinking people who generally agree with me on a number of things in contexts like this is to say, well, the real issue is black on black crime, or we have to be willing to admit the truth that there is, you know, to the extent that there is this anti-Asian thing, well, you know, black people are responsible for most of these attacks. Like, and we just won't tell the truth about it. We won't speak honestly about it. Speaking honestly about this actually requires us to acknowledge a frightening truth that individuals perpetrate bad acts and races do not <laughs> like actual people. And to the extent there are problems, they can be attributed to individuals and it may not be a race wide yes. sort of mania. Yes. yes, it might not be. With respect to might not perpetrating acts of violence yeah. against people who are Asian mm-hmm. or anything else. And perhaps we can find a way. We can we can discover the seriousness within ourselves, perhaps on behalf of our children or or whatever, whatever it takes to inspire us to do this, to be sufficiently serious about things that we don't crud up everything mm-hmm. with race bullshit. That when we're telling stories about people's suffering and tragedy that's befallen them, that we can identify with them as fellow human beings on the basis of the substance of who they are and the life experience they've had without deciding to cast them in these narratives that we've established that we're determined to make true. Mm-hmm. We're determined to reify by ignoring the fact that lots of crimes happen in America every day. But you will hear about these other stories because they fit the narrative. And I don't know. It's just, it's not solidarity, not in any sort of meaningful sense, not in the sense that it actually makes us better. It's bullshit, like performance drama. If you smoke a pack of cigarettes today, a pack of cigarettes every day for the next five years, you're not going to see the immediate effects. You're not going to die from that, right? But, you know, keep doing that 20 years, 30 years down the road, you're probably Mm going to see the effects of that. Yeah, yeah. And this is what we don't think about in this stuff. When we become so obsessed that any interaction between people of different races that have, you know, a sort of hostile or negative outcome are framed within the race of either the perpetrator, the victim, or two perpetrators, um, we are on the glide path to doom when this becomes default for Everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just got an alert right now from the New York Times, and it was about police officers in Texas and a black uh, uh, seven detention officers in Texas. This is literally just 12 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Were fired in connection with the death of Marvin Scott III. A black man. A black man man who died after being restrained. Yeah. I don't don't know 
that you know that is relevant that it has any it, it almost could be. It, it almost could be. Cer- who knows it almost certainly isn't just like and, uh, the George yeah. Floyd case yes there is still as of yet today yes a year later he's on trial no concrete evidence to suggest that had he been white the outcome would have been different no him. it's a multiracial incident right Not- we have a police officer on trial whose wife who left him because of this is Asian mm-hmm. a police officer who is Asian and a police officer who is black and then Derek Chauvin. It's a, it's a pretty multiracial, uh, you know, group going on here. And why do I point that out? I have no interest in pointing that. I literally have no, the fact that one of these guys' parents was Vietnamese has, has no material effect on how anyone views this fucking case. Yeah. But when we pain over everybody's, you know, 10% this, 30% this, are they visibly this or that? It, we are in a, in, in a place of utter poison, desperation, despair, and it's not going to get better. Yeah. It's going to get worse. And if anyone thinks that this stuff is, you know, going to have a sort of palliative effect on, on the body politic, it's going to sort of, you know, calm us before – it's not. It's making things worse. I think there's no doubt about that. And, you know, it is a battle to the death rather than – something that is um, hopefully, you know, unifying. There's no, there's no sense of unity anymore. Nobody cares. Yeah. So anyway. Well, we're unified. We, we, we're doing that. I'm drunk. In five years. I Matt is nodding off. Matt is nodding off. I'm here. No, I don't I'm, feel as I'm drunk when Matt's rallying rallying now. Okay, good. Well, we should wrap this up because this is two and a half. Wow. No, we got it down a little bit, but that's two and a half. That's a, that's so, a Ken Burns documentary. Um, we, may, we may have <laughs> some more work to do tomorrow. Which actually, do we'll it. find out what Let's his story out. is. Let's find out. Um, All right. Okay. Bye. Good. Bye. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column.